Hello, and welcome to the Yerky Boys. May the Candrona shine and strengthen you. My name is Will. My name is Jonathan. And we are the, the Yerky, Yerky Boys. Boys. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Woo. I think that went, I think we got there. We're doing it. This is, we're here. We're in a good mood today. We sure are. We're doing the first Megamorphs book today. Yeah. So, I mean, I feel like we should maybe talk about what that is <laughs> for the yeah. listeners and for me, too. Yeah. I mean, I read it, but, but like, what is it? You know? Yeah. So they're sort of like, extra books i guess auxiliary books they're not quite main series they're all canon um they're not necessary you like can skip them they're longer than the regular books and they take place from the point of view of all the characters um all this... the characters this is well, chapman right okay. no all the main characters <laughs> oh, the main okay. the main six Okay. Uh, people. And um and generally speaking they came out around the summer. So I'm not sure if these were supposed to be like oh well during the school year they're coming out monthly for the book fairs but then during the summer you get one big one or something like this. I'm not sure. Um but that's around the time of year when these would happen. I feel like my the thing that it made me think of was in comic books, they'll do annuals. You know what I'm talking about? Not really, no. A lot of, at least, I know Marvel does. I'm, I'm pretty sure DC does it too. Uh, for a lot, like Spider-Man, for Amazing Spider-Man, for instance, or Spider-Man, as as Jake knows, and Marco know it, uh, will have, you know, every month, Spider-Man number seven, eight, nine, whatever. And like once a year... I'm not sure if I think it's maybe in addition to or maybe instead of they'll have an annual to be like Amazing Spider-Man annual number 35 or whatever. And it's like it's not a direct continuation of the story. It's usually but it's bigger. It's usually like five or six little mini Spider-Man stories collected in one. And it's kind of like a fun like it's like a few extra bucks. It's like a big hype book that doesn't really matter, but it's like fun to read that. I feel like that's what this reminds me of. Yeah, that's pretty much exactly what this is, like, on the money in every way. Um, Great. <laughs> Spider-Man's yeah. in it and everything. <laughs> yeah, yeah, good old Spider-Man. Um, now, I never knew this before, but I did read on Seropedia that this book was originally released in two parts as two books. I could not find, you know, where the two books were split. Uh, I couldn't even find, like, what the alternate cover looked like. I didn't look that hard, I guess, but... Um, I had never heard of this before, and I don't think they did this with any of the other Megamorphs. This book's actually quite a bit different from all the other Megamorphs. Um, like, it's clearly them messing around with, I guess, that annual idea, uh, and not quite having figured out where they're going to settle yet. Um, but we need, we need, I feel like, listeners to write in and explain this mystery to us. Like, I, I'm not, I still don't believe it's real. <laughs> Where is this part one and part two version? Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> the, like, this is the only place I've ever heard of it is on Seropedia. So I'm assuming it's true. But, you know, maybe somebody just uh, bullshitted it on there. <laughs> it was <So>. me. <laughs> oh, you. They're just trying to trip you up. Hey. <laughs> 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 well, 
And we were, you know, there was some trepidation on this episode. I guess we still aren't 100% committed to making this one episode versus two. We're, we're thinking maybe there's a chance this goes long because it's a longer book. No, I will say, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, maybe you're gonna say what I'm gonna say. <laughs> uh, yeah, see what say what you're gonna say first, but I think I think I am. Yeah, based on my reading of it, I think we're gonna have no problem doing this in one episode. Yeah, I think so too. Because my memory of this book was that it was basically, you know, just an animorph story. Even though there's more pages, there's not really more to it than what would fit in a normal book. But then I was kind of flipping through it, and I was like, well, you know, maybe there's a whole bunch of, um, like, extra scenes, you know, like, in instead of just one scene, we'll have the same scene told from different perspectives, and that means we have more details, and that means we have more bullshit to talk about, so maybe it just takes longer to get through the story, even though it's just an Animorph story. But after actually having gone through and been like, okay, let's notate down exactly what I want to talk about, no, it's basically the same length here at the end of the day yeah like the, For me. the same amount of stuff happens in this book as any other it just takes longer to for it to happen <laughs> yeah yeah there's it, there's like a lot more they have like the full exposition i feel like in the other books they're only expositing the relevant parts you know if you don't see marco's mom we're not going to talk about marco's mom for example um but in this one they're kind of they're telling you everything and there's a lot, every time they do a morph, instead of being like, yeah, 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 you've seen them do squirrel before or whatever. It's like, no, no, let's spend a page or two talking about squirrels and squirrel instincts, even though we've done that already. Um, and the yeah, I, other yeah. megamorphs are less like this. Hmm. I, I wonder if it was also like, that's another... Uh sort of comic book trick is every once in a while they'll just be relaunch the change the numbering and be like number one is out again even though it's a continuation of the story to trick new readers into thinking they're, mm. they can start now <laughs> that maybe they were like well there's seven animorphs books now this is kind of like a previously on for people who haven't read yet they can start here and understand what's going on i mean that's all of them but this is like one big previously on <laughs> Yeah, I mean, this is honestly not a bad one to start on because it has so much of the exposition and because it um, it's not particularly important or crazy. So, you know, you're not going to get like, okay, I'm reading this normal animal. What the hell is this Elemist guy coming in a third of the way through? What is this story? What is this universe? It's overwhelming. Like, no, this is just like they're, they, they do stuff. <laughs> so it's kind of okay. They do stuff. Yeah. And I guess uh, I'll save the rest of my thoughts for as we get into it. I guess so. Um, I mean, I, I think there's some a couple of structural things that you could probably just talk mm. about now if you wanted sure, to. Sure, sure. Well, yeah, you just want to like lay out. I mean, like, like you said, the book is told from multiple perspectives. And, mm -hmm. uh, you know, I, 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 I enjoyed that. I, I did enjoy that. I thought it was a nice change of pace and it, it allowed them to actually change scenes. <laughs> it felt more cinematic in that way. Cause it's, uh, you know, it was like cutting into another character's perspective or another, a completely different location, which normally in the books, you, you never get that you're, you're yeah. in one place until that person goes to another place. So that was cool. Yes. No, that, that is, uh, a, a, like good idea idea 
Um, now, one of the things that this book does do, and this is why I'm saying the other Megamorphs are a little different, because I, I do not recall them being quite like this, uh, is that it'll be like, okay, so here's something that happens, you know, and uh, chapter two, or for example, will be Jake's perspective. And then chapter three will be Marco, and it'll be the exact same events as chapter two, but Marco talking about him. And then chapter five will be the exact same events, but Tobias talking about them, because all three of them are there. And um, mm -hmm. it gets, there are parts there where it gets a little repetitive. I feel like in the later anim uh, Megamorphs, they do a better job with like, Okay, so Marco, Jake, and Tobias are there, so we're going to flip between their perspectives, but the story is going to continue chapter by chapter rather than retreading the same thing. Like, the pacing just is a little bit less strange. Um, yeah. But we'll, I, I mean, see we'll that. see when we actually look at it if that is true. Yeah. 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 It definitely had some, yeah, a little, a little bit of that, I felt. I feel like it, more towards the second half of the book, that cleared up and it, it started, there was less mm. repetition, I think. That is true. Although I, I also think that, well, I guess we can talk about it when we get there, but the second half of the book is a lot more like just uh, a little bit more rushed and things are just kind of happening. Whereas the first one, you got a lot more of the interesting details. So like she is getting, at least she is getting these like fun little observations and dumb details in there by having all the different characters talk about the same thing. So I guess there's, there is some benefit here. Yeah, sure. Um, There's some benefit. Yeah. And I also, like, reading it, I'm definitely, I'm remembering this is a, this must have been a very early book for me, in terms of when I read it. I I don't really remember, but there's a lot of scenes that I read them, and I'm just like, yep, I can, I, this scene is one of those scenes that I always think about in Animorphs, and I never remember after a read-through of the series what book it was from, or where it was from, and it's not important, it doesn't matter, so it must have been one of my earlier impressions of it. I know it's not, like, the <laughs> earliest, but, like, clearly after I picked up, you know, uh, 4, because it was the first one, and 20, because it was the latest one, and Megamorphs 2, because it was the latest Megamorphs, smoke up, and... by the way. Hmm? I just, I just, I just said smoke up, because he's got 4 and then 20, so I just said smoke oh, up. Oh, yes, yes, of course, right. Yeah, yeah, but 15's got a fish on it, so I had to get that one. <laughs> Um, but yeah, clearly, <laughs> clearly after my first thing, this was one of the, I was like, okay, well, let's go get Megamorphs number one. And then I'll have read all the Megamorphs that were out at the time. Yeah, it makes know. sense. I, I get that. You're, it's like, a, yeah, it makes, I think that was their yeah. intention probably was yeah. kids. It's kind of what this. you were saying, right? Yeah. 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 I feel like is this, this episode has been too, we're talking too much about the book. I just want to say something stupid before we get into the more yeah. boring oh, parts. Oh, dang. Yeah, we're like so close to getting into the book and we're only, yeah, I, we should, we, it should be at least twice this long to get here. At this rate, it's going to be a shorter episode than I, I honestly think that it's very possible this is a shorter episode, but we'll see. But uh, it, it I, could easily be. I just wanted to say something I thought of, which is could, could theoretically, or do you think they would maybe, an, an animorph or a person with morphing powers might morph into a cow and then have some of their own meat cut off of the cow body, morph back to human to be fully healed, and then eat, live off of their own former meat, cook up that meat, and then and every time they're hungry, they just turn into a cow, get somebody to cut off their own body, and then cook it up. And You know what I mean? 
sadly, uh, you are way too close to describing the plot of an actual Animorphs book <laughs> for this joke to truly, to truly I, land. I, there's, there's no joke. You know, it's just something I wondered. But okay, so I guess maybe that will happen. Maybe that will happen. Okay. Yeah. Well, just keep that joke in mind. We'll we'll get there. Again, not a joke, but yeah, okay. I I will I will I'll keep that in mind. Right. Your that, observation. That and an important skunk are are currently I have post-it notes on my monitor. <laughs> yeah, I think the skunk is coming up in like two books or something, so don't great, worry about great. that one for too long. <laughs> okay, well, I'll remove the sticky note when the time comes. Okay, so th- I think that's good. Then we now we can get into the to the cover. <laughs> yes, yes, the cover. Man, this is an early cover for us. <laughs> I don't know that it's that early. It <laughs> I is. Feel like this, I feel like this is more or less on par. <laughs> I don't know. I, I think we're doing good. We're learning and okay. doing better. Sure, sure. <laughs> yeah, we're doing we're doing we're doing really good. Yeah, so we got we got the whole gang on this cover except for one. Yes. Why does an axe get to be on the cover? Axe is not on the cover. Axe. Uh, yeah. For what? You know, as far as I know. There have been no official artistic depictions of an Andalite in any capacity at this point in the series, right? The first time anyone will have ever seen an Andalite uh, drawn is on the cover of the next book. Now, we did see, maybe, I think this might have been from a different edition or something, but didn't Mm -hmm. that messed up illustration with Lobster Marco, wasn't Axe in that picture? Was an Andalite? I think he was. But uh, huh. I don't I don't know if that was I think that wasn't that might have even been drawn later. Like, I don't know what that was from. Yeah, because I, I think that was from like, I don't know, the Italian version or something. So that. Oh, you know what? I, out oh, yet. I'm looking at it. I he I believe he is in it, but he's like, he, he, I think he was coming out of human. I don't know. They're all half lobster. I don't know. There's only three boys, right? <laughs> Pictured here is yeah, so Marco, gotta, yeah. Jake, and it must be Axe. Yeah, those were the three the guys who were there. So, so yeah, one of them is Axe. However, I will say he doesn't. It looks like it's just a human transforming into a lobster. So maybe mm. I don't mm. know. It doesn't look like an Andalite, which doesn't make sense though, because he can't transform directly from one to the other. So I'm not All sure what the intention was. All of his fur slooped in, so now he looks kind of humanish. Yeah, I guess that was the idea. Uh, so I was kind of half right on that one. So yeah, you, you, and, you still may be right. And I know that, but like, I know the Japanese editions have like illustrations, but those definitely weren't out when this was published. So right, right, right. Yeah. So okay. so what Axe actually looks like is still kind of a mystery. It's up to the imagination at this point. Wow. Wow. Uh, and uh, maybe so. This cover is. Um, I don't know. It's okay. <laughs> yeah no I, it's just like you got the four of them and instead of having the weird morphing stages uh where you got all the strange second third middle faces uh it's just kind of like they're split down the middle like two face and one side's an animal one side's a human sure like they're they're here um, i will say this looks like it maybe could have been an early basis for the new revisions of, I feel like those mm. covers sort of have this similar, just like a square with a face in yeah. it. But worse. And this one is not that good either. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the the wolf Marco, I think, is particularly weird looking. <laughs> but <laughs> Yeah, uh, his eyes aren't lined up as well. 
Yeah, it's a little unsettling. Now, the inside cover, I like yeah. the inside cover. <laughs> yeah, there's so the, the cutout in the front actually is just like a little star thing, and it's straight on uh, the Escafil device, because on the inside, we've got the morphing cube, the Escafil device, and it's like shiny and reflective uh, in Ooh. print. I don't know if you're getting that in no. the way you're seeing it. So it, wow. it looks, it's got a little shiny thing in the middle from the outside, and then when you open it up, um, yeah, we've got this this blue box, and then we've got uh, five hands coming in to touch it, and they're all <laughs> like animal hands, like furries. You know, they're they're not like half human, half animal the way a morph would be. They're they're like if you were drawing your fursona. Um, there's a tiger hand and a bear hand, and I guess Tobias's claw. A talon hand and a wolf hand, and then Cassie has a fly hand, which I don't know who has a fly as their fursona, but maybe Jeff Goldblum. But yeah, that, that's right. It's so weird, and also I love that the tiger tail is also in the corner for some reason. Just a, they're like we have some empty space down there. Throw the tail in, and uh, the I don't know the tiger hand especially just makes me think of Thundercats or something. It really is a. Uh, it's a furry. It's a it's a furry hand, as he said. Yeah, uh, <laughs> that's all that needs to be said about that. Yeah, there's not that much else going on on this inner cover, but uh, I do think maybe this is an opportunity to discuss the title of this book, which I mean could have been the title of the first book. Doesn't really have much relevance in particular to this book more than any other does. Yeah, I don't think. they uh, they morph. <laughs> Like, yeah, every book could be called The Andalite's Gift if you wanted it to be. It doesn't really... It's yeah, not like... I, I mean, if if this is your starting point, that you, the, the more I'm thinking about it, the more I'm, I'm kind of with you. I think this was intended to be a second entry point into the series. Because then it's yeah. like, yeah, yeah, The Andalite's Gift, they morph. You know, that's cool <laughs> and new to you because you haven't read one of these before. Yeah, I guess so. Also, I'm just noticing that Megamorph's number one on the cover is uh, set in thought speak. <laughs> yes, it is. That's it's got true. The, it's got the brackets, so that's that's fun. <laughs> yeah, Megamorph's number one. Oh, is that how thought speak sounds? Yeah, it sounds like that. Okay, that's pretty cool. Well, um, okay, <laughs> are we ready to uh, move on? Um, oh, I did want to mention, uh, while we're on the cover, this book does not have any flips in the pages. Normally, when you flip uh. the pages, you see somebody morph. This one has no flip, which uh, sucks, and they should have done something about that. <laughs> yeah, zero stars. Yeah, they Ooh. could have had a dust cloud turning into a monster. Minor spoilers, but that, that would have been a cool wow. little flip for the bottom they could have done. They didn't yeah. do it. Yeah, they could have had... Uh... Uh, a truck crashing into a mailbox. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. There's a lot of options from this book. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Uh, yeah, there's a lot of options. Well, now I think we've, I mean, this is a new type of book, so there had to be a little bit more preamble, but right, now, right. Now, I, now I think we've effectively fulfilled yes. the quota of not, actually do saying anything of substance before getting to the plot <laughs> right so starting off uh on the first page of the book uh on the dedication it says for gene Fievel, <laughs> craig walker and tanya alicia martin who morph scribbles into or who morph my scribbles into books and uh 
This is, I think, the first dedication wow. not for Michael, who I believe is Michael Grant. Wow. Well, as a special surprise, we do have all three of those people <laughs> on as guests today. <laughs> so I, I did look these people up. Uh, Gene Feiwell, Feeble Feivel. Not I sure really thought that it. this was that you were just joking. That no, were, no, I'm not. I actually did look this up because I was <laughs> we, interested. <laughs> How funny would it be if we talked about the dedication now? Of course, we're not going to do that. No, I'm going to do it. So, so no, I looked these people up. Gene, Gene Feibel, I guess, was was the uh, scholastic. Feibel. Well, it's F-E-I-W-E-L. Feibel? That's a fake name. It's a, he's under witness protection. Nobody's uh, it's, a, it's, a, it's a woman, John. Please don't misgender her. Oh, I thought it was G-E-N-E. It's, oh, it's, no. <laughs> it's J-E-A-N. Okay. Yeah, yeah. But she's a, um, she was the publisher at Scholastic and uh, who published the books. Uh, Tanya Alicia Martin was the editor for Animorphs. Uh, I found both these people on LinkedIn, so I know it's them. And uh, I did not find for sure who Craig Walker was, but there uh, was a senior editorial director at Scholastic who is responsible for the creation of Magic School Bus called Craig Walker, and I'm assuming that's him. Wow. But I can't link him directly to Animorphs for sure. Well, I take back what I said about this being a shorter episode. (laughs) 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 But but I'm glad that you put this mystery to bed and I hope that you um, send your credentials to all these people on LinkedIn. (laughs) I think think in the future, in almost every book, if somebody is dedicated on the two page and it's not Michael, then it's the ghostwriter. But I'm not positive about that. I'm going to keep an eye mm. out for it, though. Yeah, that would be interesting to see. Yeah, I'm very interested already. We all are. <laughs> we all are. Yeah. Are we... Uh... <laughs> We're ready. We're ready. We're ready. Please. Okay, I guess we Please. can get to page one now. <laughs> yes, that would be great. <laughs> All right, all right. So, the plot proper. They're all in Cassie's barn. We don't have like a crazy morph plot to start this one off. We're just going to start off in Cassie's barn and talk about what's going to happen in this book. Um, Rachel has signed up to go to a two-day gymnastics camp uh, type thing. Um, She signed up for this before she became an anamorph. Uh, so she didn't know that she was going to have to be around to fight Yerks, uh, and she's not sure if she should go to it or not. Um, Melissa's going. She already told Melissa she wasn't going, um, but all the Animorphs are saying, you know what, just go on your stupid two-day trip. Like, it's fine. Whatever. Um, Meanwhile, Marco is upset because Jake and Cassie have been invited to a pool party, and he was not invited. So they're all hanging out in the barn, and this is basically what they're talking about. Um, we, <laughs> Riveting. Yeah, we, we jump uh, forward a little bit, and we see uh, Axe, Marco, and Tobias together without uh, Jake and the girls. Uh, because Marco is going to sneak into this pool party as a mouse and spy on her. This is his plan, and he's, going, he's blackmailing Axe into doing it uh, with him. Because Axe has fleas, and he needs um, flea powder that Marco is going to give him. So this is the setup to the plot of this book, uh, which is very different from normal, because normally they start off with, like, the Yerks have done this, and we're going to do this, uh, you know, 
plan to kill it. In this book, it's Rachel's going to go to a camp. Mar- Marco's going to sneak into a pool party. Woohoo! You know, fun teen shenanigans. <laughs> yeah, I, right? I like. I do like that. That's fun, and I, I, I wish that the books had more of that because I do. I like yes. seeing just their normal lives. Yeah, whenever they do it, it's great. Hundred um, percent. The first, like right off the bat, my impression of this was just how at this point how much exposition they're now required to give and how they manage to cram it into such a short span of pages is ridiculous. Uh. It's just, there's just so much that they have to explain. And it kind of, the thing is they even dole it out. Like the expo, I, I, almost like 25% of this book is exposition. <laughs> just divided over multiple chapters yeah again this is heavier than it needed to be most of the books will just back off on explaining anything they don't need to explain but well i i did notice that uh the the one thing that i feel like they didn't even touch because i think they were just like ain't nobody got time for that is the elemist (laughs) yeah 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 like listen we're not getting into that (laughs) yeah not not worth it. We don't need to talk about the Elemist right now. <laughs> so so that was good. Um, and I, I mean, okay, a couple, I got just a couple things about this. Surprisingly, I have more to say about this opening scene where basically nothing happens. I don't know why. No, that's not surprising <laughs> at all. That is normal for us. That's where we talk about everything. <laughs> I think it's because as the book goes on, I just get, you know, tired and I just stop taking <laughs> as many notes. In the beginning, I'm like, I must scrutinize every detail. No, that's just because at the ending, it's like stuff's happening and that's all that's happening. Whereas here, it's like, well, nothing's happening. That means the characters are saying interesting stuff. Well, the first, this is a thought that I've had for a couple of books now. That You know, mm. Axe doesn't come to these meetings in the barn that's like almost always is explicitly mentioned because of he doesn't like being in human morph or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. And I feel like she's just going, uh, six characters is too many to write for in one scene. He, he didn't want to come, you know? Yeah, like, I feel like Axe shows up more often in the future, but maybe, maybe not. But yeah, it, feel, it feels like a, bit, a little bit like an excuse, <laughs> but I don't, I, I can't blame him. Uh, for sure. Also, and also, I want to say, so there's a part where T- Tobias is really mad that Cassie is trying to save a cr- an injured crow. <laughs> yeah, Tobias and his bird racism once again. It's out of control. His bird is. racism is out of control. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> but but on the subject of this of this crow, uh, there's a there's a on this in the same part, Tobias who is racist against crows. Mm-hmm. Thought thought speaks to the crow and says, "Yeah, I'm looking at you, crow." And yeah. they make a point of saying, "Obviously, the crow did not understand thought speak." But can the crow hear thought speak? Did this crow, who can't comprehend it, just hear a mysterious voice in its dumb bird brain, and now it's having some kind of an existential crisis because it doesn't understand what that was? Now, I'm not sure about that because thought speech is um. Thought speech transcends language, right? Like, uh, if an Andalite shows up on Earth and they don't understand English because their universal translator isn't working, they can't understand what we're saying because we're speaking English and they don't speak it. But they can talk to us and we'll understand them just fine because it's, like, psychic. So, like, we'll just hear the words as we would have heard them. Um, So that's very... I wonder if you speak to 
a crow, the crow would hear it in crow language, but crows don't have a conception of language. That's a that's a, a very deep philosophical question. We can uh, maybe we'll call up Noam Chomsky about this one and ask him what he thinks mm. about what the crow heard. Maybe on our yeah, next yeah. podcast. Be good idea. Good idea. I'll, I'll reach out. He'll probably do it. And uh, yeah, I, unless you're a whale, then the whales are psychic, so whales can <laughs> project images and ideas into your right, mind. I guess it's yeah, like how the how the Navi talk to them. Right, right, right. Okay. Yeah. All right. All that right. was my question. It's a good question. Yeah, I did. There was a mention also. I, I noted of Melissa Chapman here. So there was least, a mention. At least we we get a little tiny bit of lip service that Rachel is still friends with her, even though she doesn't <laughs> yeah. appear in the stories. <laughs> she does exist for sure. <laughs> um. Uh, yeah. There's some, there's a lot of good Marco moments here. Yeah, I, uh, oh, yeah. I like when Marco asks Rachel why she doesn't dress more like Xena more often. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> I like when Cassie asks uh, if someone strong can help her carry things, and Marco goes, Oh, oh, my back, a sudden shooting pain. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, he's, he rules. <laughs> I, uh, I like the part where he's trying to explain uh, about... To Axe, because he says maybe Darlene, the girl who's having the pool party, you know, maybe she didn't invite him because she likes him and Axe doesn't understand. And he uh, he explains, not like, like. I like you, Axe, but I don't like you. There's like, and then there's like, like. <laughs> yeah. He's he's pretty good at the beginning here. Yeah, no, there's there's great stuff. I mean, I'm loving his <laughs> I'm loving his pranks. I'm loving his shenanigans. Mm-hmm. Yeah, talking about his prank here. He's cool as hell. Oh well, I don't remember. Do they do they discuss it in this one? Uh, this or- I mean, this is the reason that he wasn't invited to the pool party because of right, what he did right. last time he was there. Yeah, because he threw a baby Ruth bar into the pool. <laughs> and it uh looked like a little something else. Yeah, uh-huh. he, uh, he caddyshacked her. <laughs> Pretty funny, Marco. Also, does he call himself the cute one at one point? Yeah, he says I'm the I, I have this written down. He describes all the characters. He says, I'm the smart cute one. Jake's the bossy one. Cassie's the nice one. Rachel is the stupidly brave one, and Tobias is a bird. <laughs> That sums it up. Mm-hmm. That sums it up. Now, I, maybe I spoke too soon because bef- I do have a, a, a section here highlighted where uh, Cassie says she has a dream mm-hmm. in, and says there's something I don't even know what it is. And it asks me to make a choice. In the dream, I have to decide who lives and who dies. I thought maybe that was of subtle reference to the Elemist. Yeah, so this stupid dream, right? It it kind of sucks and is unnecessary, I feel. Because, <laughs> um, like, yeah, she has this dream. And then she has this, like, character arc over the story. And the dream is supposed to, like, tie into it or introduce it. But, like, it's not really explored. It's not really described in detail. The arc works entirely without the dream. Um, like, it, it kind of feels like Applegate's just kind of overusing uh, 
the dream here to be like, well, we can't have Cassie ruminate on it because we don't have her perspective. So we'll just give her a dream. Remember I gave Jake that dream and it does feel like there's an Elemis thing going on there, but it also kind of feels like if there was an Elemis thing that would either pop up this book or like that dream would have meaning throughout the series in some way. I don't know. It just kind yeah, of feels maybe. there, but it, I just it is Elemisty. Yeah, I just thought it was them being like, hey, if you read the last book, then you know, but if you yeah. didn't, don't worry about it. So. Yeah, that could be. I mean, rereading this, I got to that dream, which I didn't remember, even though I've read this a million times. And I was just like, what the hell? Is there Elemis stuff in this book? And then I was like, oh, no, it's just nothing. It, I mean, I guess it's could be Elemis yeah, it's a, I mean, stuff. it's a little... The Elemis didn't exactly make them choose who lives and who dies. It's not... Yeah. But, but like, that's, you know, maybe it's... If it is supposed to be a reference, it was just easier to say that. <laughs> it, it almost feels like this is just a regular dream that Cassie is having because <laughs> she had the experience of actually being asked that by a weird thing. Right, right, right. Yeah, it makes sense. I, I, I get that. Um, yeah. Yeah, all right. Um, oh, yeah, the other thing is that, so this camp that Rachel's going to, this gymnastics camp, um, so she signed up for this before they even started being Animorphs. Um which, again, just kind of... They haven't really been doing this for very long, have they? Yeah, what's it like, been, like, a month? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I guess Three in theory it would have been, like, maybe six months. But no, but it wouldn't be because it's going faster than that. But yeah, it seems like... It, it feels almost like this is summer, and this is, like, a summer camp thing. And maybe she signed up in, like, January mm. or February, and maybe they started in, like, March or something. I yeah. don't know. It's it's hard to figure. It does feel like I'm. I was wondering if this book wasn't maybe summer vacation. Um, mm. because you know there's the pool party. Rachel's going away for like a weird course camp overnight thing. I don't know. Well, that makes sense. Chapman's talk out partying, looking at books. Yeah, he, should, he would be at work otherwise. Schooling. Right. That's <laughs> teachers live at the school. <laughs> that's my understanding. Yeah, that's right. That's right. <laughs> um, uh yeah but yeah okay yeah we've introduced i guess we've introduced the plot of this book um so uh rachel's gonna go off and do her camp thing but um jake and cassie go off to darlene's party and uh marco comes in as a mouse with axe also as a mouse um so they have infiltrated darlene's pool party as mice uh and Darlene is not talking about Marco like he hoped that she would be. Um, so he uses thought speech to say Marco in her head and maybe get her started on him. But then uh, she and her friends all start shit talking him instead of talking about how uh, funny and cute he is. So uh, <laughs> he starts chasing her around as a mouse and she's like, eek, a mouse. Um, and then there's pandemonium at the pool party, right? Everybody's running around. Some kid Hans is trying to like stomp on him. And uh, Jake and Cassie figure out that this must be Marco and Axe, uh, and Jake is pissed off. Uh, so they're trying to keep the kids from killing him. Uh, Axe and Marco run down to the basement and demorph. And as they uh, do this huge freaking tornado dust monster <laughs> of like whirling teeth and claws comes down and shreds the house and uh like literally like tears the whole like it, it it forms out of the wind into a huge flying monster shreds the house into tiny bits 
and uh, is about to kill Axe and Marco, and then just kind of, like, stops and disappears. Uh, and the particles go off toward the woods on their own, um, which Tobias sees, because he's kind of spotting them. So this is our first scene here. Um, <laughs> now, the tornado monster seems like the more interesting part, but actually, for me, this this whole pool party <laughs> scene is much more fun and enjoyable and memorable. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it is fun. It is fun. I mean, the mouse stuff is pretty funny. Yeah, I like it a lot. I mean, what's what's interesting is we don't get Marco's perspective until later. We just mm-hmm. know that there are mice there. I mean, you you figure out what's happening pretty quickly, but you yeah. don't know that he like thought spoke to her brain and stuff like that. Which right. I, the, him and Axe. The pool party shenanigans feels so much like an 80s movie. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah, it's good. It's like Revenge of the Nerds or something. <laughs> uh, oh, yeah. A less uh, non-consensual sex. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. But, but, but they they go out of their way to kind of lampshade how those don't, like, because uh, Jake says, like, Darlene's family must be loaded because there's like 40 or 50 kids at this pool party. I feel like that's kind of like that same thing. Like, we got to set the scene at the 80s movie. Oh, yeah, every kid in the neighborhood is here. And you're just like, right. the hell afforded this freaking house? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. And and then you get the dust cloud. And I was, um, you know, I did think the introduction of the dust cloud was interesting. I felt like this is a sufficiently weird thing that you is pretty mysterious early on mm. you, you don't know what it is and it's not mm-hmm. just a yerk doing a thing at least yeah. that we know of <laughs> so it's uh i thought it felt a, this book almost to me felt like if you were going to make i mean at this point in the series i don't know like an animorphs movie Mm-hmm. You. This feels like maybe one of the more. Again, I guess I've used the word cinematic already, but it feels like this. This is it, like if Animorphs were a TV show, this might be the movie that comes out before you go back to the regular episodes. It feels a little bit more like an event, which sounds ridiculous to say. Even when we just had books where insane shit happens, that's like much more important and significant. Mm. But but for some reason, this it has the feeling of more of a like oh man like something's coming this week on a special episode. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I yeah, mean? Yeah, yeah, I I feel that because I I do think Animorphs has the vibe of uh of you know an episodic uh kind of kids show um and these the Megamorphs do kind of have a vibe of like these are the weird like as you said this is the it's the movie. But what makes the movie special for the episodic shows is that you don't need to watch it. Like, right, it's also exactly. There. Um, <laughs> yeah. Unlike the Chronicles, which also have the feel of movies, but they have the feel of like, you need to watch this one, kind of. <laughs> right. They're a very different kind of beast. Yeah, so, sounds like the Velik. Oh, we don't know its name yet. Sorry, we don't know its name yet. Oh yeah, yeah, it's a secret. <laughs> I mean, the Dust Monster is called a Velik. That'll just be easier to say, but. It will be a lot easier to say, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, I actually, when I was taking notes, I realized I, like, went back and edited out the word Valique because I'd just been typing it in the whole time without realizing it. And I was like, I don't know if I should try to keep up the hidden knowledge. Yeah, it's, it's fine. It seem worth it. Now, I have to say it's a little tricky for me. 
looking through the book because of the way it's laid out, I'm having trouble keeping track of where we are in the story because there's so much overlap. <laughs> but yes. Yeah, it jumps back and forth a lot, and it seemed a lot easier to just kind of, like, lump similar uh, topics together than to, you know, say, okay, this chapter, and then this chapter, and then this chapter. Um, but I should have... Uh, I should have given you a scene list at some point oh, yeah. that gives you... Yeah, it gives you the chapters that are uh, relevant to each uh, section. Yeah. Well. Yeah, I'm looking at it. It's just, it's still, I'm struggling to look at my highlights, but it's it's fine. I'm, I'm, I'm making it through. Okay, okay. <laughs> you can do it. I believe in you. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's a fun party. Yeah. Oh, I did have a question about this part, which is uh, Tobias, at this, when he's kind of spotting for them, he mentions seeing a Cooper's hawk flying by. Um, I don't know what a Cooper's hawk is. It makes me wonder... Did Tobias research all of these different kinds of birds before he got stuck? Uh, does he ask Cassie, like, I saw this bird, what's it called? Like, do you think Tobias ever sees, like, just makes up his own names for wildlife because he can't go read a book to figure out, you know, what it is? Well, he's got great eyesight, so I think he's just hanging out at the library and mm, spying the on window. people. <laughs> yeah. Like, oh, oh, they're going for the bird book, they're going for the bird book. <laughs> yes! <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it's a good. It is funny because they're like, "Oh, he's a bird, so he learns all about birds." Like, how does he? He can't. He's not researching yeah. this. <laughs> yeah, I, I, like I. It seems like he might be all like, "Yeah, I call that one a Marco hawk because they're jackasses or something." <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's that's what he thinks. He hates what birds does he like besides other hawks? <laughs> he, he uh, I mean, he respects some of them. He just doesn't. <laughs> Uh, I mean, like what he he thinks that crows are bullies. Golden eagles will like kill him. He doesn't He's, like, like owls. Scared. Yeah, owls and falcons are scary. Uh, <laughs> seagulls are like unrefined and gross. Uh, geese are obnoxious. <laughs> He's got like all these different. <laughs> what a dick! Uh, he also he ate a small snake also in this part, which oh, is yeah. just. I don't know, man. He's really he's really embraced this lifestyle. You know, mice are one thing, but to eat a snake is that's that's just seems that's foul to me. Eh? No, eh? that wasn't. No, it wasn't. No, that was good. Oh man, oh man, that was really good. Okay, glad you liked it. I liked it a lot. Uh, yeah, but you know, he's Tobias. He's hanging out. Before everything gets destroyed. <laughs> yeah. So that's that's those guys. That's what they're all doing. But Rachel's doing something at the same time in, in some chapters that are interwoven with these. Um, which is that Rachel, before she leaves for her gymnastics thing, she turns into an eagle to go and see Tobias. Because, um, you know, she's sweet like that. Uh, so she goes flying off toward Tobias and she gets mobbed by some crows and knocked out. Um, you know, those dang crows. Uh, and when she <laughs> comes back into consciousness, uh, she's like half bird and half human, and she has amnesia. Rachel has amnesia in this book. Um, <laughs> and she freaks out. She starts morphing back, uh, and as she's doing it, the dust cloud comes to Valique, comes for her too. Uh, and she's like, oh my God, you know, like 
what the hell is this bird thing that I'm halfway? What the hell is me changing? What the hell is this dust cloud coming for me? Um, she starts running and it's ripping up everything and tearing things. Uh, she runs across the street and the Valik kind of gets into like a scuffle with a truck and destroys the truck and all this things go flying. And uh, then after all that, it kind of seems to not be able to recognize Rachel anymore. It doesn't really know what it's doing and it leaves again. And Rachel is freaked out. So she runs off into the woods because she's like, I don't know what's trying to kill me, but something is. So I, I better get away from everybody. Yeah, this is another thing that makes this feel like, uh, like you said, it's that perfect mix of feels significant but won't matter in a week. (laughs) Rachel having amnesia, which is a good little twist, and it you know yeah it's a it's a great thing to explore of yeah what if you had these weird powers and you got amnesia, you'd be pretty freaked out and be like, what the fuck am I? Mm-hmm. At the same time, I guess amnesia is a pretty cliche and dumb story trope, but mm-hmm. I, I don't know. I, I liked it. I thought it was, I mean, I, maybe it, it's, it's, it's a little frustrating because you know, it's going to get undone and it's, yeah. you, you know, that it doesn't really make sense. Cause that's not really how amnesia works, but I, I kind of liked it. Yeah, I mean, it, it's fun as the uh, as as the reader to kind of have that that I don't know dramatic irony where she's like, "What's going on?" And you're like, "I know what's going on." Oh man, she's gonna figure it all out. Um, but at the same time, that also means there's a whole lot of like words in this book devoted to Rachel going, "Huh? What?" <laughs> that are just right. kind of okay, sure. Like I I do think. That this plot would be ridiculously great if uh, we didn't know what the hell Rachel was either. If we were just like, I woke mm. up and I was half bird. Oh, yeah. What the fuck? I changed back into a person because I was oh, like, yeah. I must, I'm not both. I don't know. How did I do that? What's going on? That would be a great movie premise like the born identity, but they have mutant powers and you just mm. discover that as it goes. That would be oh, pretty good. <laughs> that would be awesome. Yeah, I mean, I do think it's good that the fact that she is separated from everybody and out in the middle of the woods, that's yeah. that's also part of what makes it so good is that it's mm-hmm. it's a survival story. But if she had her memory, she would just leave. She would it would be yeah. very easy. But now it's it becomes a like a th- this really becomes kind of the driving force of the book besides figuring out what the Valique is, I guess, you know, yeah, (laughs) this is, she kind of does get the B plot. Yeah. Um, and it is, so it, it almost feels like there's a bit of a PSA in Rachel's dangerous situation here too. Cause she, she makes a whole point of saying, I didn't even think about the fact that I was in a dangerous situation because the camp people think that I'm not coming, but my parents and friends think that I am going there. So, you know, if I were to just disappear, nobody would look for me. So it does almost feel like there's a little bit of a, hey, kids, be careful out there kind of thing. When <laughs> hey, I'm reading it. kids. That's right. That's right. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, it is it is interesting because she really is like nobody is looking for her. Nobody realizes she's gone yeah, and she doesn't yeah. have any backup. And yeah. there is a monster after her. 
And even yeah. if nobody's, you know, if she doesn't know whether it's safe to go back into civilization, she's also like, she's either got to go back in and then who knows what's after her or she's got to stay in the woods and she's literally in like a morphing outfit with no shoes in the woods at night. Like, yeah, it's good. dangerous on its own. <laughs> <laughs> it, it also yeah drives home just how dangerous morphing can be without mm-hmm. any yurks or anything. It's just you can just run into a tree by accident or whatever. You know? Yeah, it's, I mean, imagine if she was knocked out for two hours and she was just trapped. Half yeah, time. yeah, she, that almost happens because when she comes yeah. to, isn't she a bird when she wakes up? Yeah, so she like she well, has she, to remember how to unmorph first. Well, she's um. As she's losing consciousness, she's thinking to herself, oh, shit, morph, morph now so you you don't get stuck oh, as a bird yeah. while you're unconscious. And when she comes to, she's half bird. Oh, yeah. Oh, man. Yeah. It's good. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's pretty good. Um, Fortunately, Rachel gets saved by her love of shopping. <laughs> that's her, that that's is what, true. That's what saves her. <laughs> that That is what's going to save her, yes. Um <laughs> Rachel, uh, <laughs> Rachel's going through the woods and um, she finds this old cabin and it's filled with all these old Goodwill style clothes. By the way, uh, was, was yeah. I, am I, was I reading too much into it or am I remembering something else? Was this, I thought at first this was maybe the cabin where they kept Jake when he had a yurk in him or she, is that a different cabin? I think it was a different cabin, but I'm not sure. Like, Rachel has a flash when she sees the cabin and is like, I've been to this place or maybe a place that's a lot like it recently. Mm, so okay. it's not clear if this is the cabin where they kept Jake or not, I okay. think. But it could be. Yeah. yeah. Um. But yeah, it's filled with uh, filled to the brim with old clothes. And there's this crazy lady who uh, lives there. You know, who's like, the clothes are mine. They're all mine. And um, Rachel does this weird shopping role play, who, you know, and she's <laughs> like, yes, this is your shop. How much for the clothes? Here you go. And hands her like a piece of bark as a credit card. Um, great portrayal of mental illness here, I think. But she uh, she manages to get some clothing and shoes. Um, and the lady is babbling on and on. And we realized that this crazy lady is uh, an ex-controller. She used to have a yerk in her head, and she is crazy now, right, for some reason. Um, So as they're going on, she starts becoming suspicious of Rachel. Um, She's like, you know, what are you? What's going on here? And and thinking, oh, maybe Rachel's the yerk's coming back for me. And she uh, opens up like a trap door and throws Rachel into this like dirt basement thing and locks her in there and then starts burning down the cabin with Rachel inside it. (laughs) (laughs) And also under in the basement are a bunch of yurks. Like, Hmm? what? Yeah. Yeah. Aren't they? Aren't, are they? Oh, so you know what? Never mind. I, that was, it's, she has a flashback to the, to a yerk pool I, is what it is. Oh yeah. 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 Ra- Rachel is having like continuous little flashbacks to scenes that have happened throughout the story. I, I missed the, the flash sound effect. And I, when I first read this, I just mm. thought that there, that she was like somehow capturing and holding yurks down there or something, <laughs> mm. <laughs> which would have been cool, but I guess that's not what happened uh but otherwise i love this crazy yerk lady she's good yeah she's, she's fantastic great. 
It's it's this is the kind of the first real consequence we've seen of Yerks that isn't just them manipulating people. Like you get to see, and I feel like an interesting exploration of what might happen if if Yerks were around long enough. Eventually, someone would you know escape or whatever somehow, and they might just go nuts from the after effects of it. Yeah, it, it makes me wonder, um, because, like, it's possible that she just had the Yerk and then, like, she tried to re-enter normal society and couldn't because everyone's like, who's this person raving about aliens? It's also possible that maybe this lady's Yerk died from um, when they blew up the Candrona, right? And the Yerk starved? Yes. Because, like, Drake had... Uh, Drake. Jake had to go through like the fugue state, right? Where the all the memories from all the Yerk bonded with his own and it was this insane traumatic experience. So maybe, you know, maybe the fugue drove her mad or something because she'd been with the Yerk so much longer. It's not clear, but that's a full possibility. Yeah, that I think that's my head canon. Mm-hmm. And uh so yeah, she it's a good she's a good scary character i I think that's just a really fun concept and uh, like you said a great depiction of mental illness and uh, (laughs) i also thought this was another yet another uh adventure game puzzle of you have to find the correct item to to get the lady to give you the clothes you need (laughs) to survive (laughs) how can you bark yeah yeah create a credit card out of what you have around (laughs) 100 percent that uh there was a, a question, a, a very stupid question about this, which is that at some point Rachel says that she like duck walked over to something. Do you have <laughs> any idea what that means? Is that like crab walking, but you're but like a duck? I don't know. Uh, <laughs> I I guess I could try to find it again, but yeah, she just she's just like looking around or something, and she's like, I duck walked over to the table or something. I don't was she injured, maybe? Was she, like, limping or something? Maybe. Waddling? Yeah, I guess waddling. I don't, where's K.A. Applegate from? Is this some weird regional thing? Hmm. That's a good question. <laughs> yeah. Is K.A. Applegate a secret Canadian or something? <laughs> Ew. <laughs> Hold on, now we have some listeners in Canada. Oh, oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, that, Wow. The great, wonderful nation of Canada. Yeah. Well, this says the duck walk is a form of locomotion performed by assuming a low partial squatting position and walking forwards, maintaining the low stance. It is similar to stalking and prowling. It is most widely known as a stage element of guitar showmanship popularized by rock and roll guitarist Chuck Berry. It is also a physical exercise commonly used in military training. (laughs) Maybe Applegate's a Chuck Berry fan. I don't but, that, but why would she do this? <laughs> I don't I don't know. I don't but know. Yeah, I just I just glossed over that. I was like, yeah, sure, she's duck walked. <laughs> duck about walked, it. yeah. <laughs> oh, it's good. Oh, oh man. Having fun over there? <laughs> I'm having a lot of fun. You sound like your soul just left your body. No, no, it's just the duck walking took a lot out of me. But what happened? What, <laughs> okay. what, ha- what happened? What happened next? Well, it's it's more about what's kind of uh, happening a little bit simultaneously in this book. Fair, fair, um, yeah. You're but right. uh, 
everyone other than Rachel and probably Axe, I don't remember if he's there. Actually, Tobias might not be there either. But they're all watching a news segment. Marco, Jake, and Cassie, at the very least, are watching a news segment about the Valique attack on the house, which, you know, of course says, oh, it was a freak tornado, and some kids thought it was a monster, but it was just a tornado, and Marco's all mad. But then they, they also <laughs> say, well, there was also another incident with a truck, and they show the area where it happened near where Rachel was, and they see Rachel there on the news in the background. And they're all like, uh-oh, isn't she supposed to be at camp? So Rachel calls Rachel's house, or Cassie calls Rachel's house, and they're like, yep, Rachel went to the camp, so, all right, uh, they're going to go up and see what's going on, see if they can find Rachel, explore the area. So, um, Axe is coming up on his own, Tobias is flying up, Marco and Jake bus up there and get there first, and they start morphing Wolf to go see if they can track Rachel down. Yeah. And the Valik comes in and attacks them here. Uh, oh! Oh no! Uh, so they run for it as wolves, and the Valik is after them. It's tearing through trees and trying to follow them, and it's getting closer and closer. Uh, and then they smell smoke from Burning Cabin, and uh, the monster leaves and heads off toward the fire instead of them, and leaves them alone. Yeah. Yeah, a lot of things are happening that they don't fully understand. <laughs> yeah, a lot of monster attacks, and then just gives up for some reason. We don't know why. <laughs> uh, and and Tobias looks is looking around for Rachel, and he's like, "Yeah, nothing's out here except a crazy lady in a cabin." <laughs> so he yeah, doesn't, uh, <laughs> doesn't I, think I think earlier on, he at the party, he's like, "You got to be careful out there." I saw an Eagle get mobbed by some crows. Like Tobias is seeing everything happening to Rachel. He just doesn't know. <laughs> 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 it's almost it's almost like a funny. <laughs> Right. Like an intentional, a, a little. Sometimes this book feels a little bit like uh, season four of Arrested Development, <laughs> when mm. they're like, they will show you like a, an episode, and then later on you see, you know, like something will happen that you don't understand. And later on, you're like, oh, it was George Michael was on the other side of that wall, and now it's funny in retrospect. Mm. Uh, it's it's sort of doing that uh, that thing here. I th this could be played as a comedy, I think. From a certain yeah. perspective. I mean, there's a lot of comedy in Animorphs. Yeah, that's true. There's a lot of comedy in Animorphs. Yeah, for sure. Uh, it is funny uh, that no one died or was seriously hurt, and the house was insured, so there are no negative consequences to the Valique, as was reported on the news. <laughs> <That's right. laughs> this is good so far. <laughs> that's a plus. Yeah, um, good job. A plus for sure. Uh Ooh, and we get to see what noise the Valique makes when it uh, eats through trees and stuff. Oh, Maybe we got that before, but I didn't write it down. It, oh, it goes. What is it? It goes. Oh my god! I don't know. I don't think that's gonna pick up on the recording, but on my end, you kind of got distorted towards the end there, and it was a little scary. Mm, I'm a little Valikish. So. Maybe you are. Maybe we're the Valiki boys. Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> there, there's also there's also a good sound here when uh uh marco is morphing i, I believe it's marco and and he mm -hmm. says yibwurlow <laughs> 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 
<laughs> or maybe Jake says that. I don't know. Somebody's morphing. And, and when they're wolf yeah. morphing, they say, <laughs> Yeah, that's what it sounds like when you're a wolf. <laughs> Pretty good. Pretty good. Mm. Yeah, you're gonna you're gonna notice a trend, a theme. I think uh, the more we get into the second half of this book, which we're theoretically not even in yet, mm-hmm. but but uh, for me, I, I I just have less and less to say <laughs> as the yes. rest of this book continues. Like, no. I I enjoy, I like this book, but I I don't know. I have feel like I have far less to say about it than the other books. Yeah, it's too it's too just straightforward and normal. It's it's uh one of our first like really straightforward and normal books since maybe two, and that was uh you know, the second one. So it was a lot more to comment on. Yeah. So. Yeah. So I'm sorry to the listeners. <laughs> That's okay. They have to they have to learn about all the <laughs> plot lines that happen. Now, did we get to it yet, or are we about to get to the first Acts chapter? Yeah, we're going to get the first Acts chapter in this next section here. Um, okay. If you Do you have comments on, on Acts here? No, it was more just the generally I want, I thought, you know, at one, after, you know, you can describe it, but I thought we should remark on the fact that it is our first POV of Acts. Yeah, absolutely. Um so back at Rachel, Rachel uh, morphs into a bear to escape the fire. She doesn't really know how. She just wanted, like, strength to get out of the, you know, the trapdoor thing and uh, turn bear. Um, Axe, on his way up, sees the Valik, and he thinks, uh-oh, must be here for me, and I can't lead it to my friends. So he changes courses and runs toward the fire where Rachel is because he thinks maybe he can hide uh, there. And so Rachel busts out of the cabin and Axe and the Valique both show up. So we got Rachel, Axe, and the Valique at this burning cabin. Um, Rachel starts attacking it. And every time she hits it, it's kind of like hitting a wood chipper, right? Like she hits it, paws gone. She hits it, a leg is gone. Um, Axe is like, oh, well, nothing I can do to save her. She's going to die. But maybe if I morph into a bird, I can like follow it afterward and see where it goes. Um, and as he starts morphing into a harrier, it shifts from attacking Rachel to him. But then instead of killing him, it wraps him up and carries him off. Um, and then, yeah, after all of, after all this is done, Rachel limps off toward a stream, morphs back toward human. Tobias, Jake, and Margle will all show up later, but they can't figure out, you know, can't find hide nor hair of who was here, right? Can't track Rachel past the stream, can't track what happened to Axe. So, yeah. this is our first Axe POV in this section. Yeah. It's a little bit underwhelming. <laughs> it is, yeah. it It's not, it doesn't feel, like, they make him, they try to do something where he talks, like, kind of all stilted and not natural. But, like, this is not as good as his books are by a long mm. shot, including the next one. It feels a lot more like a rough draft of what they want an Axe book to maybe look like, but it's not fine-tuned to me. Hmm. Which is kind of a shame, but maybe maybe it's good that they sort of got that draft out here so that it could be better for his official first full book. Yeah. I, I did like some of his lines early on. So for, first of all, he specifically says he is not one of the Animorphs. 
So he apparently does not, at least at this point, consider himself one of them. I guess anamorph right now in their lingo literally means a human who can turn into an animal, even though theoretically, you know, the etymology of the word is just morph animal. That's that's all of them. But he doesn't see it that way, I guess. Yeah, it's not that clear at this point, but it the, it is one of the themes of the next book is is kind of like Axe being like, he's just a guy who's also here and will, you know, he'll leave as soon as he gets the chance, but he doesn't have it. While he's here, he's going to follow them because they're the only people he's got. Um, but he's when you not say the next really... book, you mean the next yeah. Axe book or like the, the next ne- book? Like the next book is an Axe book. Book eight. Oh, it is. Oh, why did I think it was uh, later on? Oh, I didn't realize it was next. Oh, okay. No, no. Right after this, we do an X book. But oh, um, wow. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So when, but when we get there, um, that's going to be like a bit major theme is him kind of being like, okay, let's like actually become part of the group. But yeah, it's every once in a while in these early parts, it'll kind of something will get thrown out there to to remind you. Oh, yeah, I guess he's not quite part of the group, but then. I don't know. He sort of feels like he should be. <laughs> it's like how Jake isn't the lead is the leader, but nobody thinks he should be or something. <laughs> there are non-committal groups th- these animorphs sometimes. Yeah, I guess so. But I, I did. He had some I, f- some other funny lines I liked. He says Marco is afflicted by a condition the humans call sense of humor. Yeah, that's the kind of thing we need more of in Axe chapters that we're missing right here. <laughs> and he, Axe and Marco are a great pair. I I, I like them mm-hmm. together. And Marco I, and he, anyone. He gets, he's a little ornery that the humans just assume he knows the name of every alien that exists. It's like, they're yeah, like, yeah. what's that thing? He's like, I don't, what, what the fuck do you think I know? I don't know everything. I'm like 15, dude. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's good. So. That's, um, that's we also funny. find out in his chapter um, that I don't think they've said it yet, but we find out that by Andalite custom, because Visser 3 killed uh, his brother, he has to kill Visser 3 or he will be dishonored. Um, mm. So yeah, I don't know if that was explicitly <clears throat> said, but I, f- I definitely got that. You know, he definitely wanted yeah. that vengeance. I said. Yeah, there was a bit of implication around that, but I don't I don't think it was explicit. Maybe it was. Yeah, I don't know. If it was, it was like, you know, a sentence. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, but yeah, and then and then we also did you you said this, they discovered what what the thing likes. The Valique. Oh right? yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I wasn't even gonna bother, but Axe figured out why the Valique's following them. I was gonna do it next bit because that's where we just find out everything about it. But yes, yeah, I, I guess just go into it then. <laughs> I mean, I guess I just, uh, one more thing about this uh, section that I wanted to say was, um, Rachel, so Rachel at the beginning, she morphs into a bear to fight this fire, right? Sure. But she doesn't know that she can morph into a bear, right? Right. So like in theory, they they always say like, you have to focus on the animal and she couldn't have been focusing on a bear because she didn't know that so like it's interesting because like maybe you don't need to focus on the animal in particular like maybe just like some kind of metaphorical idea of the animal and for rachel like the bear is powerful so when she thinks power she thinks bear and so there's some connection there that lets her do that i i I found that to be an interesting Uh, kind of idea here yeah it could be that maybe it's uh, kind of a subconscious instinct that 
there's a part of her that she's not even consciously aware of that is thinking about mm-hmm. the bear. She just can't fully access it mm-hmm. right now. I don't know. It's it's confusing because again, it's theoretically this is a technological uh what do you call it? enhancement that they have. So it like it does something to their DNA. <laughs> it's not fully clear to me yeah. how it works. Yeah, I mean, this is bordering on the, like, advanced technology is magic rule, uh, right. for sure. The Elemist is leaning all the way into that. In in theory, as we'll find out in the Elemist Chronicles, there's pure scientific explanations for everything he does, but, like, it, not really, no. Um, <laughs> so, but this is sort of like that. I mean, also, maybe you're right about her... Um, knowing on some level maybe that's how they've decided amnesia works in this book like she subconsciously knows yeah yeah it it could be i think it's maybe both of those things (laughs) yeah i don't i don't know the rules of amnesia i don't think this book does either so uh somebody says andalites are uh, tobias says andalites are tougher than they look don't andalites look pretty damn tough (laughs) <laughs> yeah, yeah. They always say Andalites look oh so delicate and whatever. Oh, right until you see the tail, and then you're like, oh, that guy fucked me up. Yeah. Even even if I just see a regular horse, I'm like, that thing will fuck me up. Yeah, I, <laughs> John, John I mean, Wick might use that thing to kick me in the head. <laughs> God, the first time I actually saw a, like a, a horse up close in person, I was I did not it did not occur to me, right. Because, like, I had done, like, pony stuff or whatever as a kid, but then uh, in high school, I dated a girl who lived on a farm, and so, like, she had a dog, but, like, she also had a horse. So it's like, oh, yeah, come meet my pet, and then you go out, and it's like, oh, oh, my God. Oh, my God, it's so big. (laughs) Like, I knew intellectually how big a horse was, right? But when there's a horse right there, and you're, like, and there's, like, not a fence... And you're just there. Oh my god! Like that thing could just kill you by like, yeah, just yeah. by like hitting you. I mean, that thing could kill you like just using its giant horse dick. Yeah. Mm. Interesting. That that's where your mind went. <laughs> I well, I think I think if I didn't say that, the listeners would have been like, "Come on." <laughs> We all, we, they were, they were in their car shouting horse dick. Come on, horse dick. Talk about the horse dick. So I'm just giving them what the, giving the people what they want. Yeah. Makes sense. That's what I, just, I You know, this episode just needed a little, <laughs> when, when things are getting a little slow, I feel like we just got to inject a little bestiality <laughs> into the proceedings. Yeah. It's been, I mean, how long has it been since we've really talked about bestiality? Too long. Far too long. Yeah. Far, far too long. Uh, <laughs> uh, did we, uh, are we getting to the Cassie parts? Is that what's next? I don't know. Well, don't, next like, we got to talk you, about what the Valique is. Right? I can't then we, figure then we out. Cassie yeah, it's, I'm all over the place. It's like all scattered. So you you go ahead. Yeah, I'm, well, I'm going to talk about what the Valique is and then we'll do the Cassie parts. Okay, Because um, Cassie's also going to find out what the Valique is. So I'm just going to, we'll do this part first. <laughs> right. Please. Um, so, uh, the monster takes Axe up into the blade ship, which is sitting in the atmosphere and not in space, because, of course, it's a Yerk thing, and, uh, Visser 3 just exposits about the monster to Axe in, like, an 80s supervillain fashion, so we now know what it is, you know. Um, the Valik <laughs> is a word that means pet in Yerkish. Um, it's... <clears throat> 
He's yeah. named his dog Dog, effectively. Um, or his cat, Cat. Uh, the Valique is from Saturn. Uh <laughs> It is made of a bunch of really teeny tiny creatures that can sense different kinds of energy. Um, and then when it finds prey, the tiny creatures join together to make like a big thing. Um, but Visser 3 has altered this one so that it senses only morphing energy, but it feeds only on the ship's engines. So he's trained it like a hunting dog to go after morphers and bring them to him so that it can get fed. So that's what's going on. It's hunting them. Whenever they morph, it can sense the morphing energy, whatever that means, and it can find them. So that's what's going on with the Valique. That's what it is. Yeah. So first of all, this thing just lives on Saturn. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We've, none of our telescopes have ever caught it. I guess we I just mean, thought it was a dust cloud or that. I mean, you probably wouldn't catch it. I don't know how. You couldn't how see this thing from orbit. Well, science maybe you works. could with new. Yeah, like a Hubble doesn't look, I don't know. what <laughs> Something's not no, you looking, looking out there. <laughs> I don't know. The Valique is at most 50 feet across. Okay, you're not going <laughs> to. All right, fair enough. Fair you enough. You know, maybe one of our, if one of our probes just stayed in orbit around, and, and Saturn's big, right? Maybe it lives like uh, 100 miles under the surface of the atmosphere. I don't know. Okay, you're right, you're right. But it's, it's interesting that they're just like, yeah, yeah, I just casually dropped. Yeah, there's intelligent, like, there, yeah, there's some. It's not intelligent. Well, there's, I don't know how you, there's life that's not just a yeah. plant. You know yes. what I mean? I mean, intelligence to the extent that, like, it can, it wants to eat and reproduce, uh, pr yeah. presumably, you know. Yeah, it's like, like, intelligent like a crocodile's intelligent. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah. So, like, you know, it's just. In our in our galaxy and shit, there's that's, 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 there's stuff yeah. there. All right, cool. No, that is that is fun, right? Right, you know, <laughs> all of Visser 3's morphs are from you know the third moon of the fourth planet of a dying star, <laughs> or whatever he said, in some lost corner of the galaxy. This one's from Saturn. Yeah, yeah. So there's that. <laughs> it's its name is Pet. Mm -hmm. <laughs> that's stupid. <laughs> That's, That's worse than naming your cat cat. That's naming your pet pet. <laughs> well, it didn't have a name for what it was, you know. I why not name it? Not call it call it something. I don't know. It's, it's, it's just, pet. Now, but now that's are the you Valique. going to question Visser Three? <laughs> I also don't understand. I'm just confused about how the language works and what's being translated and what's not. Like yeah. Doesn't he, make sense. Don't all the it seems like to the Yurks they call it the Valique, but aren't they just hearing him say the pet? I don't or or I yeah, I don't know. I don't know how any of that works. But that yeah. is nothing compared to the the how little sense it makes to me that he programmed the Valique like a computer. Like he he's he like hacks into it to change its body chemistry. It's what is this tech that the Yurks have? He doesn't he doesn't just train it. He says yeah. he like pr programs yeah. it. Yeah, no, in theory he goes in there and alters it on like a basic genetic level to just function differently, which I guess is must be <laughs> if you can do morphing technology, which they can't, but like this this must be a lesser step down. So I guess they have the tech to go in there and do some little 
they genetic have manipulations. very specific gene splicing tech that you could just like why I don't why aren't they using this to just like make every yerk not need candrona rays or something <laughs> like yeah no i mean like this is a little bit easier than some of those other things because the valique seems to be like a really simple life form so like you could probably just like alter a couple of molecular structures and get it to where it needs to be on this but are um, they the valique as we understand it is multiple things right but or, but any given one of them is extremely simple but did he I'm just wondering did he like take one at a time and put them into this a device and alter them like how does this work I, Yeah I don't know maybe he made one and cloned it <laughs> I do, does this tech come up again and because it, it feels like this is introducing a potentially extremely powerful technology that could just alter everything that ever happens in these books it, like it's crazy It does and they do talk about like alterations uh like genetic alterations and like weird finagling around in the gene pool at times. But yeah, this specific instance isn't brought up again. I mean, this is a whole, really. like, this is entire science fiction series are predicated on the concept of gene manipulation. <laughs> like yeah. they just, they really just throw everything in yeah. there. I mean, look, it's going to be important, but this, this particular one's just in, in here. It doesn't, this one doesn't matter. <laughs> okay. okay. Well, all right, then that's that clears that up for me. That was all my issues with the Valik. Yeah, good old Valik. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, now we know what the Valik is. We can talk about Cassie finally. What's Cassie oh, doing in this book? Finally, Cassie unless gets you, uh, to do something. Yeah, uh, unless you just want to skip these parts and maybe be done with it. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, Cassie is out at the mall. Um because while Jake and Marco and the others and were going to go off and track her as wolves, uh, Cassie has been sent to check all of Rachel's usual haunts. So she's off at the mall, of course, because that's where Rachel would be. Um, so Cassie sees Chapman uh, walking around. She sees him go into a bookstore and she decides to morph into a fly to go spy on him. Um, so she's buzzing around him as a fly and he meets up with this other Yerk, and they have their little covert Yerk meeting. Um, the other Yerk is on the police force doing cover-up work, and they are getting run ragged trying to cover for this stupid monster. They're exasperated with the whole deal, but Chapman basically says, Listen, you don't get to tell Visser 3 not to use his his Valique, right? Like, he's gonna use the Valique, and you're gonna uh, deal with it. Um, so Cassie learns about the Valique. She learns it's a Yerk thing. She learns its name. She learns that it hunts people who morph. Uh, and she goes off to report back. Sorry, I'm still hung up. Like, what is the code you have to enter in to make it like morphing energy? <laughs> I just don't... It's just... Well, I don't understand this concept. I mean, this this sort of makes sense, right? Because, like, there, it's going to have some sort of sensory organ that picks up on different... I don't know, wavelengths, so to speak, of energy. And if you just change that molecular structure to only respond to very certain wavelengths, then maybe it only hits morphing tech. Like, this is, on, on a fundamental level, this is, like, way simpler than anything else you could be doing. 
to this thing <laughs> biologically. It, it makes sense to me. All right. I guess if I guess if the morphing energy is a, what, as you said, a quote unquote frequency, and they can just like tune something. I guess I guess maybe it, it, it makes sense. Now I have no idea what morph energy means. That you know, I don't. I don't you, know you, I guess you is. produce some energy when you morph. Yeah. Sure. <laughs> yeah, no, so, that, that's fine. Sure. But like I I I kind of get it maybe. You can make it make sense if you must, <laughs> which is better than some of the things in the series. So Cassie this is where they kind of give Cassie her little mini arc for the book, which is it's just not like that great, but it's something for her to do. She mm-hmm. She gets to feel like a coward, even though she's not, you know, <laughs> it's whatever. Yeah. 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 She's it's, it's unsure all right. of herself. Yeah. Um, this fly segment, I, this is one of those scenes that like I remember as a kid and I'm always like, yeah, the fly scene where like they land on Chapman and listen to him and, um, and they're talking about how uh, flies are, are so maneuverable and it's so cool to be a fly because they can zip around in all directions. Yeah, I remember this scene. And then in, you know, was, what book was that from? I don't know. Some book. But <laughs> this, this, book, this is one maybe. of these early, early fly scenes. Maybe this was the first fly scene I read. I don't remember. Wow, probably was. I I do wonder if uh, Chapman, like it must be, I feel really boring to be a Yerk controller sometimes that you just... To keep up appearances, you gotta be like, oh, let's just go browse Barnes and Noble. <laughs> like the York yeah. doesn't give a shit about any of this. Like, oh, it's what's the latest bestseller? I don't know. Pick this up. Christ, fucking humans. <laughs> yeah, I mean, in this in this particular situation, he's out here to do his covert meeting. Um, yeah, that's true. Yeah, but yeah. Still, uh, they do say that they have to do these in person because they don't trust their communicators anymore. Um, not because of the animorphs, but because they think Visser One might be spying on them. Um, and they have a whole thing where Chapman's like, "Yeah, well, you know, Visser One let the Andalite bandits go, right?" And the other Yorks like, "Can we prove that?" And Chapman says, "Well." No, if we could prove that, right, Visser 1 would be being tortured to death by the Council of 13. But we know she did it. So, like, there, there's <laughs> there's still some infighting going on here. Yeah, yeah, which, which is pretty good. We also get another direct, uh, I guess the first direct evidence that the destruction of the Candrona affected them. They're rationing Candrona rays. Mm-hmm. And, and Visser 3 is looking for excuses to eliminate hungry yurks. Uh, also, yeah. also, there's talk he may be demoted to Visser four or even five. That's yeah. Uh, that's oh, yeah. I like that. So this is where uh, Chapman also has the line where he says, "If Visser three loses rank because of your failure, take my advice. Oh, kill yourselves." <laughs> yes. It's a great line. Yeah, no, that is good. That's it's dark and it's good. Visser three is scary, although. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't know. All the times we've seen Visser 3 have someone... I guess if you get, um, what do they call it? The anti-Yerk thing. <laughs> That's probably pretty painful. Oh, but yeah. Sometimes, the, sometimes he just shoots Vanarks. you. And it's like, you know, that doesn't seem that bad. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's just because he's usually killing people just at the spur of the moment. If he's decided, then he'll, like, torture you. 
Here's a question that I kind of, I wrote down from later, but I don't feel as relevant now. And I feel like we've probably covered this before, but I don't remember is sure. If you kill a host, does the yerk die immediately with it? Or they, can they crawl out of the brain and go chill somewhere? They can crawl out, but I am under the impression they don't have a lot of time. Like they can get trapped in a dead body and then die if they don't get out within a couple minutes of, of the mm. host being killed. Interesting. Okay. I don't know how that works, but okay. <laughs> I got an answer. Yeah, uh, I think we will see that happen at some point. Like Yerk's trying to get out of a decapitated body. And well, well, we can think about it when it happens, I guess. Now I have to um, tell you, we are a, just a little past halfway through this book right now. <laughs> yes. That's okay though, because the back half of this book uh, starts picking up in terms well, of, well, here's what I was going to say is I have yeah. not even like a fifth of the amount of notes left as I did for the rest of the book. <laughs> like yeah. it just died off so fast with what happens. Yeah. I mean, this was also part of the problem is that when I was like trying to do a little pre-reading to see where, uh, you know, are we going to be able to do this in, in one episode? I'm looking at it and I'm like, there's a lot going on, a lot going on. This could easily be a three hour podcast. And then you know, actually noting it down. It's like, all right, well, you know, it, it, it dies out. I feel like you could just summarize the rest of the book almost and we could talk about it, but I mean, not quite, but it's, yeah, I don't know. It's pretty, everything is just pretty straightforward from here on out. Yeah. I mean, we're just going to kind of chunk it and go by there. Um, chunk it, baby. Yeah. Chunk it, chunk it. Um, (laughs) okay. Don't chunk it uh, that much. Oh, okay. Just just one chunk it. <laughs> uh, yeah. So uh, back to Rachel here. Um, she figures she needs to get back to civilization to get answers. So she follows the stream back. Um, doesn't know who to trust or where to go. So she sneaks into an empty house uh, that's been sold and she gets some sleep there. But people saw her break in and they call the cops on her. So... Um, you know, she she wakes up here and the cops pounding, you know, open up in there and uh, she morphs into an elephant, which this one she saw in a dream. So she knows she can do it. And she uh, bursts out through the wall at the cops and the Valique shows up because she morphed elephant. Um, the cops start panicking and opening fire in this random suburban neighborhood. Good job, you guys. And uh, Rachel's running from the Valique, uh, but she realizes she can't let it just kill everyone here. So she turns to face it. And it comes in to try to steal her away like it did Axe, um, but it can't lift her because as an elephant, she's too heavy. <laughs> so. <laughs> yeah. And now, Rachel, I know you're an amnesiac. I guess that's the justification here. But an elephant, be something small. Be something small. You know you were a bird before. Just turn no, into no. a bird. This is not the kind of person Rachel is. I, Rachel would have turned into an elephant and stomped those cops, even if she did remember her full <laughs> suite of things. I I guess. I guess. Just be, be stealthy a little bit. These uh, fucking cops, right? Like, we, we're, there's, I mean, I do want to, this is realistic, right? You got a bunch of cops. There's uh, an elephant. There's uh, a giant monster. Like, dra- like five dragons glued together. You're going to pull out your pistol and just start wildly firing around in the middle of a suburban neighborhood, escalating it and increasing the risk of just 
random gunshot wounds in addition to everything else going on. When you could just leave and hope it takes care of itself because there's no way that you could possibly hurt this elephant or this, uh, this monster. Or, or maybe call in backup or deal with it later. No, no, we're going to escalate it and make things worse for all the random civilians. This is a true-to-life <laughs> cop behavior right here. Check, check, and check. Yeah. Uh, do we think any of these cops are controllers? Um, they say, so they did actually say in the last chapter that about 10% of the police force um, are right. controllers. So we do, we actually canonically know in the Animorphs universe um, what percentage of cops are bastards, uh, which is 90%. <laughs> Uh, the Yerks are just doing their jobs. <laughs> the Yerks are just following orders. You're right, right. They're just following orders, right? You're right. But, but that, You're right. we can use that as our go-to about one in ten cops anytime we see some cops in this series. I mean, on the here's the the, the plus side of the 10% of the cops being Yerks is I'm, I, I, I'm trying to do the math here. I'm not sure about it exactly, but it does mean fewer cops are beating their wives. <laughs> Someone figure out the 40%, but minus 10% of the force. Yeah, I don't. Well, 40, what 10% is that is 4%. I don't know okay. if you needed me to tell you that. Yeah, no, I, I don't know if you've picked up on this, but I'm pretty stupid. <laughs> okay. Don't worry. I, I'm not confident to do 40 minus 4. That part's too hard for me. Okay. <laughs> well, we'll let the listeners uh, put that one together. I'll ask ChatGPT later. Okay. <laughs> And we'll get that one going, but all right. Yeah. Oh, there's a good uh, scene where Rachel's morphing back at the stream here that I just want to point back at because it's one of these good anamorph, uh, what Jesus Christ, uh, sentences. Uh, (laughs) Because remember, Rachel's like limbs got ripped off by this Valik, and she's morphing. So she's morphing back, and it says, "I held the bloody stumps up so I could see them." I would have cried if I'd had human tears. Fingers, human fingers, were growing from the gore. Ugh. (laughs) God. Human fingers. You know what? Human fingers. I I would personally prefer, in that situation, Vienna fingers. You ever have those? (laughs) Vienna fingers? You know what I'm talking about? What about hot dog fingers, like from that movie? Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. That's pretty good. I I pr- I'm still a Vienna guy, but okay. Your, yours, yours is okay too, I guess. Yeah, Vienna fingers are really just worse golden Oreos. But I feel like when yeah. I was a kid, I don't know if golden Oreos existed yet. As a kid, I would eat Vienna fingers, and I loved them. Hmm. Anyway. <laughs> Just wanted to let this you know. Is fascinating. <laughs> Just, we'll turn we'll turn this into a cookie podcast pe- uh, next episode. People want to know this stuff. They're listening and they're they're they hear fingers. It's the same gonna, with the horse dicks. Yeah. They they were in their cars mm-hmm. going oh, Vienna fingers. Come on, bring up Vienna fingers. Ah, oh, finally, right. I'm here. I'm for surprised. The people. Have you brought up Oreos before on this podcast? I don't think I have. Well, I don't think they've I'm come shocked. up in the in the books, you know. That that's that's mm. one bit of product placement that hasn't although it feels like it wouldn't be out of place. I feel like Axe might snack on some Oreos at some point. Yeah, he could. He could. 
But if you well, were an Animorphs, you'd be, you'd be eating them Oreos. Yeah, forget Cinnabon. He's he's heading down to the Oreo Cafe. It, it's sugar in the American Dream Mall. <laughs> <laughs> he's losing his mind over a, an Oreo ice cream sandwich creation. Yeah, Axe should not be allowed in It's Sugar. That's no, sure. Axe would really, he would wreak havoc in It's Sugar. <laughs> God, wait until he, when he sees the jelly bean pillars and he starts realizing maybe you can eat the architecture, that's when he's going to become a real menace. <laughs> he's going to get carted away for standing there and licking the beans. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. I mean, I, I'm just thinking what he's going to start going to other stores and eating the walls because maybe those are good too. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So like a little Hansel and Gretel. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, so that's what the Axe chapters are missing is the shenanigans here. Yeah. What are we at now? What happened next? <laughs> yeah, well, uh, so everybody's going off to bed. Tobias leaves for bed. They're all at the barn. But Cassie and Marco and Jake see the Valique, uh heading off toward the town, towards Rachel here. And uh, they decide the, to try to get it off her by basically playing morph keep away, right? If we keep morphing in different locations, it'll keep following the guy who's morphing um and uh so they they meaning marco and jake but not cassie uh decide to steal cassie's dad's truck her pickup her dad's pickup truck to do it um marco figures he can probably drive it good because he's good at wipeout um but he can't (laughs) so he's uh driving into town swerving over people's lawns and like hitting trash cans and mailboxes and generally being a menace while jake and cassie scream there's a lot of funny jokes about him being bad at driving um they see rachel the elephant uh and jake cassie gets out to go talk to her and jake morphs tiger in the back seat to get the valique off of her and so now the valique is after jake and marco in the truck yeah, and we're off to the races with a with a little action scene here. Now, right, right before yeah. this, uh, Cassie's mom tells her that the show that you like is on. Do you want me to tape it? What do you think that show is that Cassie likes? Oh, interesting. Maybe something on like Animal Planet. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's probably right. It's probably it's probably uh, the Crocodile Hunter. <laughs> oh yeah, that could be. <laughs> all right. That was, that's yeah. all I had really for this part. <laughs> Why not? Why not? I, I was thinking um, this whole idea, because like the idea is like, oh, morphing is like movement for the Valique, right? Like Tobias says the Predator's eyes. I was thinking this Valique is kind of like nope. Oh, yeah, yeah. No, uh, you know, no spoilers for Jordan Peele's nope. But that it is. A, that, yeah, this is pretty nopey. You're right. Yeah, you're right. It is, it is pretty nopey. I was getting nope vibes. Oh, yeah. Um, I like that. Yeah. Yeah, it's good. I want to watch uh, Nope again. <laughs> Jordan Peele uh, directed Ooh. the Animorphs movie. Wow, that'd be good. I mean, I mean, let's be real. Get out. Pretty. That's a little yerky. Get out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's true. That's a little yerky. That's not that. Yeah, Jordan Peele could be a could be an Animorphs fan. I think there's he is. like an underground thing that could be a yerk pool in us. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Let's, we're going to. OK, every <laughs> new headcanon, every Jordan Peele movie <laughs> is is a yerk or is an Animorphs <laughs> yeah. movie. It takes place in the Animorphs universe. Yeah. Uh, Keanu. I think that cat is morphed. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. I'm excited for this now. 
Yeah, all um, the uh, yeah, all the Marco driving stuff is fun and funny. There is a there is a part where <laughs> Jake says, "Where do you learn to drive, Jersey?" Yeah, yeah, it's <laughs> which good. which is where I live for listeners. Mm-hmm. So that is yep, that is you where know. you live. You know, that, yeah, that was, that was funny. It ain't much better where I live. <laughs> also, uh, a little bit of a little bit of a giveaway for the Yerks. Now they know they're not in Jersey. Yeah, <laughs> they can cross true. that off the list. <laughs> they can cross that off the list. Uh, narrowing it down now. I was uh, this this kind of reminded me because like when I was a kid, if I would play like a uh, cruising USA or whatever, because um, I liked that game. My parents would always joke and be like, oh, don't drive my car like that when you get your license. <laughs> and this kind of, I was wondering if maybe Kay Applegate was making the same joke here. Like, oh, Marco's driving his car like he drives, you know, like he plays Wipeout. Ah. Now, on the flip side, uh, spoilers again. I'm sorry for giving out spoilers, but spoilers for Uh-oh. the 2006 film Snakes on a Plane. But in that... <laughs> At the end of that movie, uh, the character played by Keenan Thompson successfully lands the plane, and he does so because he learned how to fly a plane by playing Grand Theft Auto on PlayStation. <laughs> yeah, I don't actually. I don't, I'm not sure if he specifically mentions Grand Theft Auto or if he just says PlayStation. But either way, <laughs> uh, you know, video games maybe could be good or yeah. bad. Depends. Depends. Yeah. Speaking of Grand Theft Auto, the Tiger thing oh. would, reminded me kind of actually of Saints Row. Um, oh. so you remember a tiger escort from Saints Row, Michael three? I do. That's like the only one I've played. And I, I do remember that. <laughs> yeah. In, in two, you had the escort missions where you had a prostitute in the backseat and they would like have sex and you try to get somewhere without disturbing them too much. Um, or else, you know, they'd get mad at you for jostling the car. And then they replaced that, and I guess it was three with you had a tiger in the back seat, and you couldn't jostle it too much or it would attack you. <laughs> so this kind of reminded me of that too, Marco yeah. driving the tiger around. That's good, man. Animorphs would make bank on OnlyFans. That's true. <laughs> yeah, furries pay out. That's well known. Obviously, once they're of age, once they're of age, right? Obviously, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. Anyway. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Let, let's happens. move on from that one. We don't need to talk about that one too much more. <laughs> no, no, no. I don't think so. Yeah, but uh, so Marco's driving off. Um, he's on the highway now, which is you know uh, good, I guess, or maybe not good. Um, but he is not getting away from the Valique. So uh, Jake jumps out, and Marco goes off road, and Jake starts uh, dodging around this Valique as a tiger, uh, which luckily it turns out it's not very mobile, so he can sort of dodge around it for a couple minutes after about five minutes uh, marco morphs gorilla to pull it off of jake while still driving so here he is as a gorilla driving the truck now um meanwhile cassie is over here talking to rachel and uh getting rachel to trust her even though she doesn't know who she is and uh she gets on rachel's back uh and rides uh off rides rachel off into the woods away from all the people and after a bit she starts morphing squirrel to draw the leak off marco so now we're playing our our morph keep away here boom ba boom ba boom um which this poor Valique is just kind of, it reminds me of like a dog being taunted with a treat, right? Like, I can't get it. Oh, it's over here now. Ah. Oh, you know what would be really good? I just thought of this. So you know, mm. you know, the, um, you know, like the Friday the 13th video game 
and the, you know, there's all these similar games like that now where one player is like the big bad killer and everyone else is a regular person trying to take them down. Sure. I want, and usually like in the Friday 13th game, for instance, you'll get like, if you're playing as Jason, you'll get little pings sometimes like, Oh, you heard a noise in this section of the camp. So you can like go there, but then they might try to distract you by making noise somewhere else. That's, I want a version of that game where one person plays as the Valique <laughs> and everyone mm. else is an animorph running around, like morphing in and out and stuff. Just mm. an idea. Just an idea. Yeah. That could be fun. That could be fun. A lot of good. They really they missed out on a lot of good marketing opportunities with this series. Is what I'm saying. Yeah, they should have hired you to do the Scholastic video games or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, they one. do. They do have a whole thing in here. Oh yeah, what were you gonna say before? <laughs> no, I was gonna say then what happens. Oh, I was I was just thinking you, I, they have a whole thing in here that I did like with Rachel and Cassie talking where. Uh, Rachel, the guest is like, well, maybe we'll wear it out. Like, what, what's the end game of jumping it around, right? Right. And Rachel right. says, how do you know it wears out? Cassie right. says, we yeah. don't. And yeah. uh, Rachel <laughs> says, are you Animorphs always this hopeless? And Cassie goes, yeah, pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's fine. Which is about right. Uh, their plot, they never really know what they're doing here. Yeah, it is true. Um, this could all be completely pointless. <laughs> yeah, they have no idea if they're just going to end up dying. Um, but anyway, up on the blade ship, right? Axe is in a cube, like the cube from book five that they were all kept in when, uh, when they were captured. And, um, so Visser 3 can, you know, make it transparent and opaque and all that stuff to show off that he's winning. Uh, he shows them the Valique about to kill Jake, uh, but then it, it leaves and Visser 3's pissed off and, uh, the Yurks figure out, you know, what they're doing. You know, they're playing keep away and Visser 3 says, all right, well, uh, we'll just send our bug fighters in directly and attack them then because they're dealing with the Valik. So, you know, fuck them. Um, so now Marco's driving along being chased by the Valik. And there's also bug fighters after him shooting at his truck. And he's going and um, he accidentally runs into Rachel. Uh, you know, I guess they probably should have coordinated where to be because Cassie is supposed to be drawing the Valik off of him. But whatever. They, they all end up in the same place. Marco hits Rachel at 70 miles an hour. Rachel's hit with like a Dracon beam. Um, uh, Rachel's leg is broken. Marco gets knocked out and the Valique is coming to take Marco away. Uh, so Cassie is like, oh, I need to finish morphing Squirrel in order to save Marco. Um, but she's too scared to do it. So the Valique takes him and not her. Um, so, yeah. 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 Tisk tisk Cassie here. <laughs> but and uh yeah it's, it's you know you kind of you glossed over it a little this the this cage that's made of this special metal yeah. which yes. they i think for the first time they tell you what it's called yes they do i don't Ramonite. know if they ever tell you again ramonite which they don't they mention it they're like oh yeah i was in a ramonite cage and then it's not for a couple more pages till they explain yeah. what that is and i was like what the fuck is ramonite is that real i don't know what that means yeah, well, that's yeah. what the axe, I mean, in theory, when the axe chapters are going well, that's part of the joy of it is that axe won't say I was in a, a box. He'll say I was in a Ramonite box and now you know mm. what, it, what it is. I don't know. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. But yeah, yeah this yeah. is what they were in before, basically. Um, yeah, he in reference to the Taxons here, he, I thought you would like this when he, he, he mentions their deep evil and also the fact that <laughs> the, the Taxons usually handle the more subtle work. 
Yeah, it's because they have little delicate uh, <laughs> uh, leggy hands. What? No, uh, nothing about a taxon is subtle. <laughs> what subtle work are they doing? Well, hork can't operate control panels as well because they aren't, you know, they don't have millions of tiny little arms. They got big clunky talons. I, I, I guess I haven't, like, thoroughly examined pictures of them side by side, but I would have assumed it would be the opposite. But what what do I know, I guess? Yeah, taxons. I don't know. That's just in, that's how it's described, I guess. We get some, some taxon dialogue here. Uh, one of them says, uh, a srin yet siri srin yi sri. Yeah, yeah. So that's how taxons talk. Yeah, yeah. And then another one says scree. Yeah, after uh, Mr. 3 kills it. Yeah, and it's inside slosh out all over the floor. Right, as is usual. <laughs> and they two taxons come over and start eating it. <laughs> right, this, again, normal. You know, right, just another day on the blade ship. <laughs> it's just, it's not a very good work environment, really. No, they really need to unionize. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, Visser 3, the ultimate union buster, though. Uh, so I like I like I said I don't know I have I don't know where I don't know which part if I'm about to say something that didn't happen yet I don't know whatever it's all happening. <laughs> uh, I did I liked when Cassie's now trying to help Rachel remember everything. She says, "There's Jake. He's your cousin." I feel like that was like a she wanted to get in there real quick. He's oh, your yeah. cousin. <laughs> Makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> Just before you get any ideas in your head, <laughs> I know you might mm-hmm. have some instincts. Yeah, I know he's got that chiseled jaw and confident chin, but uh, yeah, yeah, you know it's it's scientifically proven that uh, if people you're related to, if you if you didn't know them your whole life, you're more likely to be attracted to them if they have uh, physical traits in common with you. Yeah, I did know that. Mm-hmm. I'd never read it, but I was aware just <laughs> from experience. Right. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's just okay. Let's just can we just finish the book? Just no. There's too much more. <laughs> there, there's no, nothing. They, they keep running around for like another fifty pages. It's nothing happens. Yeah. No, they escape. They escape here. Um, at this point, uh, Axe uh acquires one of his fleas. Remember how Axe had fleas at the beginning? Right. Remember, right. remember that Chekhov's right. fleas. Right. <laughs> But he uh, he acquires and morphs one of his fleas, so uh, you know when they when they transparent his cube, it doesn't look like he's in there. And when they open it, he jumps out. Um, Marco's now here too because they brought him in. Um, and uh, Visser three or Axe jumps on Visser three. He uses thought speech to tell Marco how to use the computers, so Marco can open up the hatch. And Axe will distract them all by morphing on top of Visser 3. So now the Valique attacks Visser 3, right? And uh, then uh, Axe jumps onto Marco, and Marco jumps out the hatch. Uh, and even though they're two miles up in the air, they morph into birds to escape midair. They morph back and then morph into birds, and they escape. Um, meanwhile, Visser 3 says something interesting, which is as the Valique's attacking him, he says, uh, bring me water. Because it turns out that water, um, you know, because they're so small, the water particles trap it or whatever. So it's weak to water. Oh, that's a secret weakness. Now we it's, know how to... It's a signs alien. It's a signs alien. That's what it is. Um, so Sorry for they get away because they're birds anyway. 
Rachel, fortunately, um, got her memory back when she got hit by a car, so that's good. Um, that's That part's over with. Uh, so she and Cassie morph into owls and fly off. Yep. So, yep, this is, here we go. Uh, this is, I mean, we get our first um, physical description of a Valik here, because when uh, Axe yeah. is a flea, he sees one of them up close. Right. Um, yeah. So uh, the, the individual yeah. Valiks, they are a creature the size of a flea. With a hundred minuscule wings, they have antenna covered in tiny upturned bowls, like the dishes of radio telescopes. Uh, those are the structures they use to sense energy. They have no eyes and no mouth, but two long filaments, like strands of wire, sweep from the front to the back, and they feed by channeling energy down the wires. So that's what w- one... Yeah. I wonder if they must scream. Other than that, no mm. questions. Yeah, it's just a giant flock of those guys. So that's um, that's pretty good here. It's cool. Uh, it's a it's a it's a good. I like the Valik. It's a really good concept for a for a creature. Parentheses s. Yeah, I I do like it. Um, we get some Hork Bajir speech. Uh-huh, uh huh. Uh-huh. As the Valik is morphing, one of them says, uh, "Visser, uh, Gol Hadrash is Marag Valik." Oh, they also answer my question from earlier in this section. Um, they got their owls to guard Jake. Because I, I had been wondering last time, when did Rachel get an owl? Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. So that's, now, when, that's when Rachel got her owl. I, I am very relieved that that mystery has been cleared up. Yeah. I, uh, I took a little note of that here. So now I mean, we I can, know. I can take that post-it note off my monitor now. Okay. Right. We've, we, we were stacking up these post-its, but we're also taking them off. Yeah, you got to take them off. You can't just stack, stack, stack. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, yeah, Visser 3 calls Marco a monkey. That makes him pretty mad. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, he also says, like, morph out of that stupid form. Uh, he does not right. like monkeys, apes. Right. Now, I mean, the, I have one more thing to really talk about in this entire book. <laughs> and I okay. feel like it's the most important to me thing in the whole book. Well, is does it have anything to do with the final plan? Because that's basically all that's left is now that they've escaped, they got to come back together and kill this. It book. has nothing to do with the plot of the book. <laughs> uh, maybe we'll just finish it then. All right, so I'll just save it for the end. Yeah, we can do it as a, a kind of a post discussion. Okay, maybe. okay, sure. Okay, okay. If okay. unless you yeah, whatever. No, 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 no. That's better. Uh, that's better. Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. Finish. It okay, down. okay. Uh, so we'll just finish up this book. Um, Jake interesting little point jake comes home and gets grounded because it's uh he comes home at midnight and funnily to me marco just doesn't tell anybody that they survived so everybody else goes home thinking marco's dead um but uh he wakes up jake the next morning just by being on his bed being like booga 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 so (laughs) funny little marco he got him (laughs) everyone thought he was dead good Um, yeah but they all meet up uh cassie's got a plan to beat it um she's like i gotta be the one to do it because you know i was a coward so uh you know uh tobias flies out and basically the plan is this they're gonna go and cast is gonna morph into a whale for the plan so tobias goes out scouts him a whale they turn into dolphins uh they go out to get it the valik can't catch them because they're in the water as dolphins cassie acquires the whale okay and the idea is that um, Tobias is going to carry Cassie in cockroach morph as high as he possibly can. And then she's going to jump off in cockroach morph 
and morph human, um, at which point the Valik will go for her. And then after the Valik catches her, she's going to morph whale, and then the Valik's going to get dragged down into the ocean and it's going to die. Um, <laughs> so this is the plan, and they do it, and it works, and... It's pretty much the most abrupt ending in the entire series because I, I think the Valique hits the water on the last page of the book. And then Cassie, as a whale, sings a song of hope. And that's it. And that's the end of the book. <laughs> it, like, is we're, it is actually done. We're done. <laughs> the fact that in the, in the extra long book, they somehow still managed to make come up with a plan that should be like they, they should have cut out half the morph keep away and extended this part of the book it's, it's like a complicated plan and they'd still managed to cram yeah. it into the final pages like and i should note note there are 44 chapters in this book the start of what i just started describing where they say okay we got to take this out was chapter 38 so there's seven <laughs> chapters i just went over there and that really is just about everything that happens uh, in it there's a couple points in here there's like marco at the beach has a great line here uh that I, I i'm just gonna read it here he says i'm just saying there are people who should be lying out on the beach and people who shouldn't be do you see fat hairy guys and speedos on baywatch no no on Baywatch, they have a law against it. <laughs> David Hasselhoff kicks anybody off the beach who isn't good looking. We need the Hasselhoff law here. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> I gotta start saying that in real life. Yeah, That's, the Hasselhoff law. The Hasselhoff law is good. I mean, there's some uh, there's some other great. Marco also says um, uh, when Jake says the Valique carried you away. Marco says yes, it did, and now we're going steady. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I that was a good one too. That is funny. Uh, I also like when Tobias gets mad that he was asleep while all this stuff happened. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> poor Tobias and, left out. Uh, but a funny Tobias line. Marco makes some crack at him, and he says, "Come stand over here, Marco. Stand under my branch." <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> Tobias and that, Marco have good banter. That's good. That's funny stuff. So it yeah, is. I mean. Oh, yeah, and yeah. Rachel's still getting a little bits of her memory back. So, so there's a part where uh, Rachel says, uh, "Do I like it when you call me Zena, or do I kick your butt?" <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I like that. I thought I want Marco to be like, "Oh, you love it." Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. I'm into it. I'm yeah. That's what. Yeah, but that, uh, I mean, I, that's really it. Uh, all this action it. stuff takes up a lot of time, and there's just not that much. You'd think I, there'd be so much time spent on Cassie saying like. Oh, the ethics of morphing the whale, no, but really there's uh, like two sentences about it, and then they just whatever, And it's cares. two sentences more than I needed to read. <laughs> My eyes glazed over. I was like, shut up, Cassie. I don't want to hear that shit from you. I do well, wonder, maybe you could tell me, do they uh reference a whale morph in a later book? Like does yeah, that Yeah, Cassie's back? gonna morph whale again. So Okay. So it is like you said, it's canon. It's yeah, it's it's not nothing. That's something. Yeah, she's got a whale. She's got a she's got a whale. Now it would be interesting if she uh, got a whale morph and she just ended up uh, like uh, eating a big meatball sub and crying. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. That was Maybe my. She I, win an Oscar for that. In my notes, I just wrote the whale joke, so that I, I just <laughs> came up with that. Uh, Good job. I mean, I came, came up with this maybe uh, putting it a bit too strongly. But, 
So, I mean, okay. So I'll just say ov- ov- overall, I even though I, mm-hmm. you know, I feel like I spent a long time just saying nothing is happening and I'm bored. Let's move on. I mm-hmm. did actually enjoy this book. <clears throat> Uh, and I actually really liked the different perspectives. There were some, I thought there was some good George RR Martining. You know, this is, this is how the, the song of ice and fire books pretty much work. And a lot of times they'll do what, what this book did, which is they, you know, you end one perspective on a little bit, just a tiny cliffhanger. Mm-hmm. So you're like, Oh, what? And then you go to the next somewhere else. So you, there's always a hook that gets you interested right at the end. I honestly wouldn't mind if, the main books were like this. I, I kind of like this format. Mm. <laughs> um, I, yeah, I like I mean, being are, able to switch scenes and stuff. There are definite advantages to it. Um, like pretty huge advantages to having more than one character's perspective, but I don't know. That's the gimmick. Right. So. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> it's, I mean, and maybe if it were every book, maybe I would be tired of it or something. I don't know. Yeah. And there, there are some, some disadvantages like, like I said, I think Cassie's whole emotional conundrum would have worked better if we'd followed her the whole time. Um, like, I think right. it's harder to get that kind of, like, I'm dwelling on this ethical issue that I have if we have to bounce between all the different characters who don't have that issue. Um, I don't know. Yeah, so that's true. That, but you also get, everyone gets to have something instead of five of them just not doing anything <laughs> for the book. Yes, <laughs> yes. It is a big advantage. Um, uh, yeah, I don't know, but like, I mean, how do you feel about this book in the overall line of Animorphs books? I mean, it's fine. I, I think that this one, I mean, to me, this one's a little bit, uh, a little bit on the weaker side, but I think it's more just because it's, it's just another one of those stories. Like when I think of all the Animorphs, I tend to think of the books that are like, uh, very important to the overarching plot or like really crazy wild because some absolutely insane shit happens um or have some some idea that's just like so out there in terms of its meaningless dumb plot that doesn't uh add much whereas this one's like oh yeah that was a fun one um i guess you know there's a valique they chase it around sure um but i don't you know it it kind of blends in and becomes mediocre to me uh in hindsight although there are, you know, a lot of dumb individual scenes like the pool party that stick with me as, as I guess what I'm saying is if I were going to adapt to Animorphs, there's a good chance that this would be one of the stories that I'd kind of look at and say, eh, you could throw that in for an episode or you could throw your own original idea in or whatever, who cares? But like some of the scenes in this have got to stay kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. That's pretty fair. What would you think if about this kind of a thing if I said... The leak, don't like it. Rock the Casbah. I would think you should have done something with Casbah too. I didn't have anything to do with it. Okay, rock, rock the Cassie. Uh, ooh, ooh. <laughs> like, that's, Drop that, that. the Cassie. Drop the Cassie. <laughs> okay. <laughs> now we got it. All right. See, that's why there's two of us. We, you know, we complement right. each other. We work together. <laughs> Now, okay, I want to address the, this thing that to me yes. is, is a big deal. Please address. <laughs> because there are two points in this book mm-hmm. where the characters directly reference the fact that it's a book. 
Now, hmm. uh, up until now, at least from my understanding, maybe I missed a detail. All of the POVs can kind of be hand waved as just like a storytelling device that it's not necessarily strictly written down in, in the way you think it is that you're reading it as a book. However, mm-hmm. first, there is a part relatively early on when Marco, I think maybe it's his first chapter. He says, by the way, hi, I'm Marco. Which feels like a that feels like he's aware that there have been other chapters before him. <laughs> it mm, feels like mm-hmm. like he knows that you're getting other perspectives, and he's like, "Oh, now it's my turn," which That's is true. a strange thing. But then, even more direct than that, very uh, close to the end of the book, I believe it's when Axe is is describing the Valik creatures. He says they're not much bigger than a comma on this page. Hmm. <laughs> he direct hmm. he references punctuation. Like he acknowledges that this is being published hmm. and and written down. So it's just I don't know if that is just a fluke and they later like ignore that, but it feels like it, it just brings everything more into question for me of how and why and whether or not they're actually like sharing these stories with the world, which as I've, I feel stated before makes pretty much no sense. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I guess that's just an extension of the, like, we can't tell you who we are or where we live on the back of every book here. uh, Yeah. Where they're talking to, I don't know. But yep, the fact I, it, I just, see it. this makes it sound like they're like they all sat around and were like, let's write this thing together. <laughs> you know? <Like> it's <laughs> it's so weird. It's very weird. <laughs> it is, it is, I don't know. Like it's it's talking to you as a kid, but then it's also not Yeah. I, I guess I just like I, again, when I was a kid, I I did buy into the whole they're talking to you thing, and I would be all like, they're gonna find you and now maybe i just kind of ignore it because it's not worth thinking about but like that is there i guess i've yeah i've 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 compartmentalized it until this point when it was just so in my face that i had to think about it again but Mm -hmm. i don't know that's that was it the comma thing just blew my mind that was my elemist of this book was was the mention of a comma (laughs) that was my personal elemist (laughs) my elemist all right, pop culture. There's a lot of it in this book because it's a longer yeah. book. Let's go through it. Okay, Xena Warrior Princess, of course. Of course. The Baby Ruth Bar we mentioned. Mm-hmm. Uh, a Thousand Bowls of Captain Crunch, Marco says. Mm-hmm. he It's like he ate that much for energy or something like that. Yeah, when he was a uh, mouse. Uh, mentions being strapped to the front bumper of an Indy 500 car. It's probably also the mouse. I think they've used that one before, but yes. <laughs> Yeah, like in, uh, with a roach or something. They definitely mentioned Indy 500 before. Uh, when he is morphing, he says it's the way Mickey Mouse would look if he'd been invented by Stephen King. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's funny in when Stephen King is used as just a shorthand for like scary stuff. As it like when if you've actually read a lot of Stephen King books, I mean a lot of them are just not. You know, like, you know, he's, he's not just like, he's, I don't know. They, they act like he's, uh, like Vincent Price or something. Like it's this just like, or Dracula. Like they just use him yeah. as like a boogeyman. Yeah. I feel like Stephen King, if he invented Mickey Mouse would have made him look very much the same. Only maybe instead of like a big mascot, he'd be like the mascot of the local, uh, toy store 
in the town of a population of 50 people and nobody's heard of it. <laughs> and But like other than that, it would be exactly the same. <laughs> yeah, that's probably right. Uh, now, uh, the Valique rips the house apart like it was made out of Legos. That, of course, mm-hmm. is wrong. Uh, right. The, pl- the plural yeah. of Lego is Lego bricks. Now, unfortunately, they never made revised editions of the Megamorphs books, which means they never had the chance to correct these errors. But mm, That's too bad. So that is what it is. Now, of course, they mentioned the Ben and Jerry's truck and that crashes. The Valique, the Valique hits it, I think. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that's the truck that that the Valique like runs into when Rachel's at the beginning. Yeah. And they mentioned two specific flavors even, Cherry Garcia and Wavy Gravy, which is not a flavor that exists anymore. I had never uh heard heard of this one. I was it's you know, it sounds kind of gross like there's gravy in it, but it's uh caramel cashew Brazil nut ice cream with chocolate hazelnut fudge swirl and roasted almonds. Oh my god, I want it. Named after the iconic 1960s activist and Woodstock MC. I'm going to go uh, get some Ben and Jerry's, I think, after this. Uh, this this was retired. The flavor was retired in 2001, but I think they brought it, maybe tried to bring it back, but it never came back. It could go for some ice cream. Oh, man. Uh, yeah, we'll get some after this. Uh, there's reference okay. to a VCR tape, yes, <laughs> not a VHS yes, tape, a VCR tape. <laughs> Of course, we talked about Rachel shopping, which means they mentioned the limited. Mm-hmm. Uh, when she's she's imagining shopping, she uh, she says she or no, she's not. She really does get these shoes, and she gets a yes. one size six Reebok and one size five Converse. Right, right. <laughs> uh, reference to a Denny's and a Dairy Queen. Marco yep, says that- to yes. Oh, no, I was... Oh, okay. Thought maybe you had more Denny's talk. Uh, Marco tells Jake, you look so Arnold. And Jake (laughs) goes, so what? Like, he doesn't get the... Marco has to explain to him who Arnold Schwarzenegger is. If he would laugh the first time, Marco wouldn't have to keep making the joke. (laughs) So true. Of course, we go to the mall, which means we have to read out a laundry list of stores. Radio Shack... but you didn't do Marco's uh, full impression. Oh, I'm sorry. What's the full impression? Yeah, hold on. I have it written down wherever he did it. Uh, <laughs> well, you better come up with it quick. <laughs> no, he he's like, uh, uh, he uh-huh. says, uh, all right, then let's do it. <laughs> well, that was great. You, <laughs> yeah. you nailed it. You nailed it. That's what he says. <laughs> <laughs> Stores at the mall, Radio Shack, August Woman, Godiva, The Gap, Mrs. Fields, Casual Corner, B. Dalton, Kinney Shoes, and Banana Republic. Cassie says there are no Brad Pitt flies. <laughs> They're all ugly. Right. Again, what about a Jeff Goldblum fly? Good question. She mentions a box of, quote, vanilla wafers. I hope I don't need to tell you Wait. there's no such thing as vanilla wafers. Wait, I don't know. Really? Who, that's what they say. That's I what have I have vanilla wafers written down. Did I just gloss over it and assume they did it right? Now, either it's possible you glossed over it or my ebook versions got it wrong. Hmm. Oh, you, I wish I had a page number so I could. Yeah, whatever. We'll never oh, know. Oh, no. No, we have to find this out. <laughs> All right. Well, it must be before the Winnebago and the Wipeout because uh, those are the next things that I have written down. So yeah, where yeah, yeah. does Marco plays Wipeout? He 
You try to look for it. I'll I'll, I'll rush to the rest of these. Like you said, yeah. Winnebago yeah. wipeout. Uh, it says that uh, something could kick the butts of the entire Dallas Cowboys at once. So I, I guess the Dallas Cowboys are shorthand for, uh, you know, very uh, 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 people who are strong. Yeah, uh, I'm supposed <laughs> to not think that, though, because of where I'm from. We don't like the Cowboys, but I don't care. Right, right, right. Uh, a lot of Star Trek references come in a short span of time. Starship Enterprise, Data, Worf, Sulu, Spock, Kirk, and Picard all get name dropped. When uh, Jake gets grounded, he specifically is told no Sega. <laughs> so <laughs> not a Nintendo kid, uh, Marco. Was, I guess Doom was on Genesis. I don't, I don't know. Uh, I don't know, yeah. I was a Nintendo kid, so I don't know what was on Sega. Besides, well, some things I do. Anyway, uh, and again, Xena, we mentioned you already went through the Speedo, Speedos, but also Baywatch, David Hasselhoff. And finally, for me, uh, something makes someone look like the Goodyear blimp, but I don't remember mm-hmm. what <laughs> that means. Yeah. Wait, did I miss you talk about the Starship Enterprise here? No, no, no. I said all the Starship all okay, Star okay. Trek references. I, I think I just found it. At yeah, that yeah. time, and blanked for a second because I had to scan yeah. the words. Did you actually have you? So did you I, actually find Nilla find wafers? It. Yeah, I did find it. And uh, and and it does say Nilla wafers. Wow, my- this is fucked. My, my versions suck. <laughs> oh no. Yeah, I had vanilla wafers. What the fuck? <laughs> yeah. All right. That, whoever that's whoever bad. put this shit together, fucking idiots. <laughs> I know. What's wrong with them? They messed it up. <laughs> Fucking pieces of shit. Now I can't trust anything that I read. Uh-oh. Anyway. Uh-oh. I cannot fucking believe we managed to make this episode this fucking long. This is your fault, though, this time. This is 100% on excuse, you. Excuse you? I was ready Listen. to call it at, like, an hour and a half. I had nothing left to talk about. Well, we have to... People need to know what happened. What I mean, you can't just say that, and then the book ends. This is There's what you events. can say. This is what you can say. Then they, they, the Valik chases them. They get away. They turn into a whale. The, the end. <laughs> it's basically no, because then we don't get to see them jumping out of a um, plane and turning into birds. And we don't get to see. This, this was our three. chance. This could have been a short one. No, 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 no. <laughs> I mean, the beginning was that was both our faults. We, there was 20 minutes we didn't need to have. <laughs> No, we need those 20 minutes. It's our standard now. What we really need is this part when we talk about how it is too long. <laughs> right. And then we add 10 minutes uh, onto it by doing that. <laughs> hey, thanks for listening, everybody. If you want to give us feedback on how long you think the episodes should be or uh, how you feel about the Megamorphs, I'd love to hear your thoughts, your theories involving commas or whales or whatever else you have on your mind, you can email us. Our email address is theyerkyboys at gmail.com. We will read those emails on the show. I swear to Christ. Uh, and you can also follow us on Twitter at theyerkyboys, where we make great tweets about yerks. You yeah. can also follow me <laughs> at Quence on Twitter, uh, or you can listen to my other podcast, which is available right now. I highly recommend it called Geeks on Trial, which you can find on your podcast platform of choice or on YouTube. That podcast, again, is Geeks on Trial. I'm trying to I'm trying to do yeah. the promotional thing. You know, it's hard for me. I, I'm trying to hype I, I, myself up. I watched a single clip of that one time, and it was pretty good, so I'd recommend it. Wow. I mean, that's, that's, a, that's a big endorsement for me. <laughs> it sure is. 
<laughs> uh, you can follow me if you would like on Twitter at DogTimesMcGee. Uh, I'm not as interesting as all that, though. Um, <laughs> nah, don't tell yourself short. Come on. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Uh, well, thanks anyone, everyone, anyone, and <laughs> everyone. <laughs> anyone who's still listening, thank you. Uh, tune in next time when we'll be discussing book eight, The Alien, in which Axe turns back from a boy on The Yerky Boys. <laughs> That's right.